This podcast is for a mature audience only. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evolving Minds. This is episode 14, baby. That big one four, you know what I mean? That big numero 14. Whew. Anyways, um, I hope everyone's had a good week. Hope everyone's day is going well, your night, whatever time it is that you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening, by the way. Um, 14 weeks, baby. 14 weeks in a row of doing this podcast, and it's been fun. It's been really interesting. It's been um, intriguing and fascinating and funny and everything else. So I hope that you all have been able to enjoy and learn from the guests that I've had on. So yeah, anyways, today's episode, we have the pleasure of having Brooke and J.M. Hollihan on the podcast. And I also have the privilege and honor to have my wife on the podcast again to co-host with me. And we speak with J.M. and Brooke about their journey in and out of the Mormon church. So this is sort of an episode that for some of you might be annoying to hear. And for others might be boring <laughs> um, because we say things um, that might not make sense to a lot of you who are non-members or non-Mormons, I should say. Um, and um, yeah, so <laughs> I hope you can understand as you listen and uh, go along with us. I, I think every religion has their own like lingo, their own language within their language. So in this episode, of course, uh, you know, as Mormons, we have our own little language and um, we have like lots of acronyms that we say and like abbreviations and um, like just, just different terms that most people don't normally say. So I apologize in ahead of time for those of you who aren't Mormon and don't understand everything. I hope that the context will help you and yeah, we'll just go from there. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode with Brooke and J.M. Hollihan and my wife, Mary, and myself. Sweet. Well, first of all, thank you guys both so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've been talking um, with you, John. John. Do you go by, do you go by J.M. or John? I go by John Michael or J.M. Either one? Yeah, okay. either one. Okay. Uh, hey, mizzle, rizzle, dizzle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. But yeah, I know we, we, we've been talking a little bit back and forth on Facebook and things. And um, I've been really impressed with you, um, JM, just because of like some of your posts that I've seen in the past couple of years and like your comments on Facebook have been really um, like thoughtful um, in response to other people and things like that. So I just really wanted to have you on the podcast and you and your wife, Brooke. It's nice to meet you, Brooke. I know we haven't, yeah. I don't think we really none of us have met in person. Do we ever meet in person, JM? Well, yeah. I mean, we, you, I mean, I think we might've said hello or something in passing, right? You were in this, you were in the, um, what was the branch called? It was the, it was, was the, it the sing, was it the singles ward? The, um, oh, Deer oh. Creek. Deer Creek. Deer Creek. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I met you there. I remember you from that. And, okay. uh, and then of course you married Mary and I yes. taught Mary on my mission. So Yeah. Fun stuff. Well, well, we'll definitely be getting into those stories here pretty soon. 
for sure. But why don't you first both maybe give a brief introduction of yourselves, maybe just like a quick one minute um, intro of each of you of like what you're doing now, um, who you are, what you do, stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll start. So um, I, uh, I'm i from New York, big Buffalo Bills fan. Ooh, nice. So, big. The only one I know out here in Utah, but yeah, <laughs> die hard. They almost came pretty close there, man. I know they were, it was a good game. Yeah, they lost was. It. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm from New York. Uh, I grew up there and um, I, 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 my mom lived in Texas and I went to live with her when I was 14 and I stopped going to church at that time. Um, and then I came back to the church when I was about 23 and went on a mission when I was 26, which is the oldest you can possibly be and serve a mission. And um, came home and went to BYU, uh, met this chick at the temple, um, and uh, we got married, we had two kids, and uh, I studied accounting at BYU. So right now I'm the financial controller for a company called Zip Local, which is a company here in Provo. And then we also have a bridal shop, actually. Uh, oh, cool. We have a bridal rental shop called Something Borrowed Bridal Rentals. And I'll, I'll let you talk about that. Sure. Um, okay, so I guess I'll tell you about myself and then I'll tell you about our business. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, let's see. I grew up in, Amer in American Fork, Utah. So born and bred, Utah, Mormon, Utah. Um, yeah. I went to school um, out at BYU-Hawaii where I got my associates out there and I came back here and got my bachelor's in vocal performance at UVU and um, after I graduated met this lump next to me and um, you know he already said we got married we did all the same things about six months after we got married, we started our business. It's a bridal shop. It's a, it's a rental shop. So we take wedding dresses on consignment from past brides and rent them out to new brides. Um, he probably thought I was crazy six months into our marriage coming into him and being like, hey, now that we're married, do you want to start a business with me? Right. <laughs> um, but we've loved it and it's been really great. And, you know, it's been going for five years now and we have a little shop on Center Street in Provo, right across the street from the Provo City Center Temple. Yeah, it's like a direct line from the front door of the temple to <laughs> our shop. Like, really direct. Yeah. I love that. Going to be our perfect. Media, I have people come in and say, wow, what an amazing location you have right across right. the <laughs> temple. And I I'm say, sure. yes. Like, yeah. It is. <laughs> Yeah. Is it only, is it mostly modest dresses or all kinds of dresses? It's all kinds of dresses, but I mean, we, we take inventory from, you know, people that are local, people that are around us. And so the majority of our inventory is modest garment friendly. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, as you both might know, especially JM, um, this podcast is about transformation. It's about evolving our minds. And oftentimes when we evolve, um, that has to do with our faith, right? And since all four, well, I guess all three of us were all born Mormon, born and raised Mormon. Is that correct for you, Brooke, as well? For me, it is. 
Okay. I, I actually wasn't. I was baptized. Oh, okay. I was eight, but my dad was baptized when I was six. But basically. Okay. So basically. kind of. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. A little bit weird, but yeah, my story is a little bit weird because my mom's not a member, but yes, okay, grew up with it. Grew up gotcha. in the church, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of fitting. I feel like this this will be a good um, conversation. I can always talk about Mormonism for hours, <laughs> the goods and the bads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know about both of your stories together as well as individually. You know, we we want to give you the time to be vulnerable and share what you want to share, you know, and we acknowledge that everyone's story is different. Everyone takes their, their path differently and everyone's journey is different. Both me and Mary are here to support both of you and to let you speak about whatever you want. And we're here to listen. So, so why don't you maybe take us back a little bit on your Mormon story, your Mormon journey. Do you want to start maybe with you, Brooke, first? You can talk about anything you want. If you want to talk about your faith in the church, what kind of Mormon you were, you know, how the church affected you as you were growing up, what it meant to you. And then we can kind of go into like the doubting and the questioning later on, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I was born into Mormonism, born in the covenant, as they say. Um, in fact, uh, one of my ancestors is Joel Hills Johnson, who wrote High on a Mountaintop. Mm, okay. Um, so, you know, got some good pioneer stuff. Yeah. High on a mountaintop. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic. It's a classic. banger. It's a banger. I can't sing it. I can't sing it as well as you, JM, but it, it is a banger. <laughs> and and I, have, I have sung that in general conference before, so... Ooh, very nice. <laughs> Some Mormon star credit right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, born into Mormonism. I am the fourth of six children. Um, and, uh, you know, my family, growing up, my family was always really involved in the church. Um, but, you know, that being said, I did have like some of my siblings, even early on, um, you know, left the church fairly early. Like my oldest brother, you know, I like he stopped participating in church, you know, in high school. And um, that was a huge point of distress for my parents. And at a young age, I could see that, right? I could see how hard that was for them to have uh, one of their children no longer believe or participate in um, the church, which was like their life. Uh, and so I was, I was a very resolute child. I, you know, I'm very passionate about what I do. And if I do something, I'm always 110% in. Um, I, I do things to the nth degree all the time. And um so growing up, I was, you know, I was a very strict uh, Mormon. I was, <laughs> I, I just lived everything to the best of my ability. Like it wouldn't even cross my mind to do anything that, you know, was um, bad, quote unquote bad. Um, a, a, this is a, just a funny story that I tell or that I still remember. My mom still remembers my oldest brother had a copy of Saving Private Ryan in his bedroom and I found Uh-oh. it 
And I was like, <laughs> this is an R-rated movie. <laughs> oh, it's not no. okay. It was winter time and I took the, it was a VCR. I took the VCR out and I threw it in the snow. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that it, it wouldn't be, you know, fil- filthying up our house. <laughs> right, right. Get this garbage <laughs> out of our home. Yes. What is this devil, <laughs> devil, uh, Hollywood devil coming yeah. in our home. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So that's the type of child I was. And I still think I have a little bit of that in me, especially, you know, like it doesn't always ever go out fully, but, um, sure. I, I just very strict, very, very obedient. Um, uh, let's see, I, you know, I participated in everything young women's and I got my personal progress when I was 13 years old, which wow. is like, yeah, which is like a, which is like a boy getting his Eagle Scout at 13 years old. Yeah. I was going to say like, is, is that even possible? Like <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> you must've been like That's daily doing deal. all your, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a big Good deal. I, like I said, I, I, I do a lot. I'm not a slacker by any means. So, you know, I, I was just very faithful. I, I never, I never even considered the possibility that the church wasn't true. And even, even then, you know, I remember sometimes being in high school and thinking, you know, even if the church wasn't true, it wouldn't matter because, you know, this is the best way to live my life. Mm. And so, you know, I'm like, but that's like, that's such a silly thing for me to think like, of course the church is true. Like, no wonder it's the best way to live my life. All of these things. Right. And that's what you have to do. That's what you're taught to do. If you have any type of, of doubt that comes in. Um, in line with, you know, a lot of church teachings, um, in young women's, you know, some, some of the main teachings you receive are about being a mother and a wife and, um, keeping yourself clean and, um, pure, uh, you hear a lot of, you know, analogies, like a crumpled up dollar bill or, there's there's a lot chewed yeah. gum, but chewed up gum, one, yeah. The one that oh, I had, I hate all of those analogies. I know, so annoying. <laughs> the one that I had is actually one I haven't heard before. It's kind of unique. <laughs> it was a it was a key, an uncut key with like a straight edge. You know, and they said, oh. you know, this is your key, and when when you get married, you can give it to your husband, and then. He cuts it for you. He grinds <laughs> up the key for you. Yeah. That's, a, that's <laughs> a weird, that's kind of a strange analogy. That's a neat analogy, isn't I'm it? I'm just like thinking about like what a key would take to be it's, formed. Yeah, so, it's very weird. I, I, I used to like cut keys at a previous job, like yeah. on a little key cutting machine. So I'm like, how does that spiritually like connect without someone thinking bad thoughts right <laughs> well it doesn't I mean, that's the thing is right, right. Can't. there's no possible way right and so I grew up just very very pure-minded right like I was never going to let that go right I it would it would have been nearly impossible for me to have considered anything different and um you know even going going to school. I went to school in BYU, Hawaii, which is, you know, clearly a church school. Um, I would say it's a little bit more laid back than BYU Provo or BYU Idaho, 
Um, and the great part about BYU Hawaii is that you have a conglomeration, a, a larger conglomeration of culture there. So it's it's largely an international school uh, rather than just a bunch of white people from Provo. You have people from all over the world. So, you know, I have friends in India and Thailand and South Korea and all of these. It's really cool, actually. So I'd say of all the places to go, Hawaii is probably one of the better experiences. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine for sure. And then I came back and I um, finished up at uh, Utah Valley University. Um, and I mean, I, I feel like there's not a ton to say other than I, I just, I lived the gospel purely. I, I lived it. Um, and, and I think one of the healthiest ways that you can, um, you know, my parents as, as, uh, as strong in their faith as they were, it wasn't, it wasn't like the most strict in terms of, uh, you know, like we didn't, we didn't necessarily pray every night my entire life. We didn't have family home evening every single week. Um, we didn't read scriptures as a family every morning at 6 a.m., you know. Right. We lived the gospel practically. And um, in that way, it was easy for me to have the gospel in my life and have it be an easy extension of who I was. Um, because I, I didn't feel like I had to give up everything in order to live it fully. And that's kind of how my parents did, right? Like they were able to live it and live it well and live it faithfully without beating themselves up basically in order to do so. Um, and so I think as far in terms of like healthy religious upbringings, I would say I had a very healthy religious upbringing um, in, in the way that you can. Um, so, um, when I was in my senior year of college, I, I was actually called to be the um, Relief Society president on my singles ward. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty important, you know? Right. But I, I was called to be the Relief Society president and for about a year prior to that, I had felt really strongly that it was time for me to go through the temple, but I wasn't getting married and I wasn't going on a mission. And I had considered going on a mission, but it just didn't feel like it was right for me. And so- How old were you at this point? I was 22. Okay. Yeah, so the mission age change actually happened like six months before I turned 21. Mm -hmm. And it, it almost cheapened the experience for me a little bit because as a, as a girl, you know, it's like, if you go on a mission, you're like super faithful. But then when they changed the age, it almost was like expected in a way, like, yeah, if you don't go on a mission. Then like, what does that say about you? Or like, I was like, I'd been waiting this whole time. And I was like, if I turn 21 and I'm not married, I'll probably go on a mission. But then it just became like the thing that everyone did. And I, I just didn't feel like it was right. I just didn't, I just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. So, so I, um, but I, I felt like I had other, and I had received some blessings from, you know, priesthood leaders that had said that I basically, my mission was uh, 
to serve in other ways. Mm. Um, I was traveling um, a lot for singing, for vocal performance, and I felt like I had the opportunity to interact with people in a in a way that was missionary like without serving a mission. Yeah, yeah. that makes so, sense. So for me, I felt like, you know, everyone has their own way. And for me and for God, this is the way that I am supposed to do this in my life. So it's not a traditional way. Fine, because everyone is different. But I had I had been feeling a very strong impression that I needed to go through the temple. And um, the whole time I was, you know, Relief Society president, I'd been talking to my bishop and, you know, kind of saying, hey, I, I just really feel like I should go through the temple. But as a woman, if you're not getting married or going on a mission, even at 22, 23, um, it just wasn't encouraged, right? It was kind of like, well, but do you really like need to be doing that? Like, right. <laughs> and maybe that just seemed so weird because I was like, why would I not, why, why would you want to be stopping me from doing something that is progressing my eternal salvation? Right. It didn't make any sense to me. And so I really, I really kind of fought hard for it and, um, you know, met with, the stake president and um, talked with uh, over a course of a year to two years, I'd say, talked with a number of priesthood leaders kind of saying, hey, this is how I feel. I feel like God wants me to go through the temple and um, I feel like it's the right thing. And uh, time after time, I just had people stopping me and saying, sorry, like you're just not doing one of these two things that's like required for you to go through the temple until, you know, about a few months before I left the singles war that I was in, my, the, I had a bishop change and the first counselor became the bishop. And um, the day that he uh, was sustained in sacrament meeting, he came up to me right after sacrament meeting finished and he said, I've had strong premonitions, revelations that you need to go through the temple. I said, great, oh, wow. so did I. And yeah. so um, I, about, you know, three, four weeks later, I was able to finally go through the temple without being married or going on a mission. I was 23 at the time. Um, but it took, I mean, it just was, it was very strange for me to have a righteous desire, have something that I felt was coming from God and, um, you know, wanting something to progress myself eternally and then felt like I was being stopped. Cut down, yeah. Yeah, cut down, especially like by all, all of these, all of these red blocks are all by men, right? Like there's, right. there's no female intervention in this. Right. It's all, it's all stopped by men that's just how it is in the church um and then um and then I met him so I feel like we should hear your story yeah we can kind of talk about our stuff together yeah perfect yeah before we um start though I wanted to ask you guys because I I mean I've now officially been a member of a church for 10 years but I still don't know a lot of stuff 
but like I feel like typically the same experience is for males is they are expected to serve a mission and then they they go through the temple right and then they come back and get married um but like for those that don't serve a mission like if they were in a similar situation as you do you think that they would also had a difficult time getting the yes do you think they would have been encouraged to be like well serve a mission and then you can go like what do you think that experience would have been like for a male I don't know. I've thought about that. And I've thought about it a lot more recently as well, that, um, I'm not, I'm not sure because, because I don't have that experience. I do know that, you know, as a woman, they do, they just really want you to get married. And, um, and it's like, if you're not getting married, like, why would you want to go through the temple? And now that I've been through the temple, I can look back and see a lot of reasons why they would want a woman to be getting married before going through the temple. Mm-hmm. Or does that make sense? Because a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the verbiage, a lot of the covenants that are made in the temple um, don't necessarily go through the woman specifically, right? Mm-hmm. A lot right. of them for a woman go through your husband and then to God, at least that's how they've been for the last like 200 years until just a couple years ago. I think they changed it, but yeah. Well, and there's a specific part of the ceremony that's like your husband is supposed to fulfill. So it's like, yeah, yeah. If you're not going with him, then it's like, Oh, this is different. Yeah. It it just doesn't for, for some reason it just, it's, for a man, it's like, oh, you can go through because you're a guy and like you could just go straight. Like it's you, it's between you and God. But for a right. woman, it's like it's not between you and God, it's between you and your husband who then communicates with God. And so I feel like although maybe it would have been a similar situation, um, I also feel like maybe there are and and I think I did hear multiple times like while I was going through this and talking to priesthood leaders, I think I heard like for specifically for women, we really want you to be doing one of these two things. Before oh, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me to say because I didn't experience it, but um, I, yeah, I can, I can imagine that there wouldn't be quite as much pushback. I can too. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. So JM, let's go. T- let's hear your story now and see where uh, your roads meet. Yeah. So, um, so I was, I was baptized when I was eight. My dad joined the church when I was six. I'm just going the wrong way, but my parents divorced when I was a baby and <laughs> okay. my dad moved to New York and my mom uh, moved to Texas and my dad met the missionaries and got baptized when I was six years old. And when I was six, there was like a legal battle that I was completely unaware of at the time where my, my father sued for full custody of my sister and I, and he won. And so my sister and I went at age of six for me, went to live with my father in New York and just started going to church. And that was like, all of a sudden I was dropped into, um, you know, full immersion in the gospel like reading the scriptures every day and and you don't really know any difference when you're six you're like okay cool this is this is the way the world works um 
And so uh, my father, you know, and I love him obviously to death, but he is a very like, I'll just say hardcore Mormon, like Bruce R. McConkie type, you know, very literal translation um, and very to the letter of the law Mormon. And that's what I was, you know, thrown into at the age of six. Um, at the age of eight, he got married to my former stepmom um, after knowing her for two weeks. They met in the, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> the adult, the single adult ward, like not YSA, but like the next level mm -hmm. up. They met and got married after two weeks. Uh, she had a son. So I inherited a stepbrother. And then over the next 10 years, they had four children together. So suddenly I went from being just my sister and I at age of six to by the time I was 14, I was one of seven kids <laughs> wow. and in a very Mormon family. Um, and all the while, my mom is Catholic, extraordinarily Catholic. And very, oh, I had no idea. Huh? I had no idea you had a Catholic yeah. family member. Apparently. Yeah. And was she not okay with her husband and, and her kids? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say she must no, have not. She was not okay with that. Wow. No, and, and it was really hard for me because, um, you know, from a very early age, I heard a lot of anti-Mormon stuff. Like you guys don't believe in God because you don't believe in the Trinity and or you don't believe in Jesus, you know, um, you're not really Christian, um, you know, that's it's a cult and all that stuff. And and now I look back and I'm like, OK, I can see where you're coming from, mom. But at the time, it was very like, like, which way do I go kind of thing? Yeah. Um, well, and not only is your mom Catholic, but your mom's whole family. Yeah, is Catholic. So my, everyone on my mom's side is diehard Catholic. Yeah. Like Irish Catholic. OK. Yeah. So, uh, so it was pretty, um, you know, it was, it was a polarizing thing to be Mormon, um, you know, between my mom and my dad. Um, anyway, so uh, I, but I grew up very religious and I internalized it a lot. So I, I really, um, like, I remember when I was 16, I'm just going to give you an example of how, how crazy religious my dad is. When I was 16, it was Y2K. You guys remember yeah. Y2K. <laughs> yeah. So, so my dad earnestly believed, and at the time Bill Clinton was president, my dad right. believed that Bill Clinton was the Antichrist and he was going <laughs> to take over the government after Y2K wiped everything out. And I mean, I'm 16 years old and I, or 15, you know, just about turned 16. And I, I was like, I get, I believe it, you know, I, I believed it and it caused a lot of fear for me and a lot of like internal uh, strife. Um, but anyway, when I was, um, when I was 14, I went to live with my mother and, uh, basically stopped going to church at that time. Um, and, and it's kind of complicated when I was 16, I went to live back with my dad for a year. And then my dad and my stepmom got a divorce and then I went back to live with my mom. So I did go back and forth a lot, uh, in my teen years. Um, but I always believed in my heart of hearts that the church was true. Um, and, um, and I, I, I get it. I got it from my dad who is ultra religious. Like I said, he thought Bill Clinton was antichrist, you know, like that's pretty. Extreme. Yeah. So you were, you were so, like, 
exclusively with your dad from six to 14 or from yeah. younger? Six okay. to 14. Yep. Exactly right. Okay. And then from 14 to 16, I was with my mom. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 16, I, I actually, I actually went to live with my dad again because I was living with my mom and she wasn't raising me in the church. And at the age of 16, I was old enough to choose for myself rather than just being sent to live wherever. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, I've got a family in New York. I've got a, I've got a stepmom and I've got siblings and we go to church and it's a, it's a very family environment. Whereas with my mom, it was just me, you know? And so mm -hmm. I went to live back with my mom uh, or with my, sorry, with my dad. Um, and then my, my dad and my stepmom got a divorce and then I was this place basically at age 16 and went back to live with my mom. Uh, and what about your sister? Cause your sister was from the same marriage, right? Yeah. So she went to college. She went to BYU, um, at, uh, when I was, um, when I was 16, she went to BYU. She's two years old. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, so she was kind of out of the picture at, at that time. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I believed in my heart of hearts that the church was true. But when I went to live with my mom again, when I was when I was 16, after the divorce, um, I stopped going to church and, you know, didn't have any friends in the church. And I was just completely away from the church and and uh, until I was 23. Um, and when I was 23, I kind of got this bug in my ear of like, well, what's true, you know, and um, and I decided to read the book of mormon because that's what i had grown up with and i you know received what i felt was a really strong spiritual confirmation that it was true and um got my patriarchal blessing when i was 24 and when i was 25 i put in my mission papers and um you know i was really sincere really devout when i'm a mission mary you you knew me when i was a missionary i tried to be the best missionary i could and you know i came home and went to byu and um you know, I'll jump to, I went to the temple one night and I saw this cute girl in the, in the temple and ended up parking next to her in the parking lot. And it was this girl. So nice. we met and we started dating. We got married. Bravo. It was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It was meant to be. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you. A, yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you a question, JM. Um, yeah. When you, because going on a mission at age 25 is quite rare within Mormonism, right? I mean, you typically sure. see like 19 year old or I guess now it's 18 year olds, right? Yeah. Um, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. Um, it's pretty rare to see like people that are a little older. So how do you think you were perceived by people in your mission? Did they assume you were older? I'm, I'm assuming you acted older or looked older than the rest of the, of the elders. You know, I don't know. I'll, I'll defer this to Mary, but I didn't, I, I've always kind of looked young for my age. So I don't think people saw me and I don't think anyone th would think I was 19, but I don't think anyone would have guessed that I was 26, 27, 28 on my mission. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I was surprised when you told me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was okay. surprised. But at the same time. But you did act older. You, yeah. did, you weren't you weren't fooling around like that <laughs> you were you were pretty like business you know i was i was <laughs> yeah i was pretty uh hardcore um and and my mission on the nick or my my nickname on the mission was old man hollahan so <laughs> <laughs> nice that's perfect yeah <laughs>
What did, did, oh. did serving your mission at, a, at an older age, like, did it mean more to you? Did it have any type of significance um, just by going when you were older? Like, did it mean more in any type of way? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, I, I had a job, um, you know, a pretty, pretty decent job. I was salaried when I was 20, uh, 25. Um, and um, I, I, I had a girlfriend for a year, you know, I, I was, I was a 25 year old guy. Um, but I just felt like if I did, you know, I just, I, I just felt like I needed to serve a mission. And plus my patriarchal blessings, blessing said I would. It was yeah. like, oh, okay, I've got to do it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it did mean more to me. I mean, I, you know, I sold my car, I, I quit my job. I um, had a garage sale for the stuff in my house, you know, for, the, I, I mean, I had roommates, but I, I, I had a garage sale. Um, and I think it did mean more to me than, than most 18 year olds, because it wasn't like a, a, a given, you know, my whole life that I was going to go. Yeah. Um, it was a really like personally driven, like no, nobody would have cared if I didn't go, you know? Um, but I felt like I really needed to. So I, I did, I do feel like it meant more to me. Yes. Okay. So you go on your mission, you get home and then you meet Brooke in the temple and well, then... not quite that soon. I, okay. I, okay. I, was, I, w- I met her when I was 32 and I got home when I was 28. So I had four. Okay. Years. So it's been a few years. So were I you was... like kind of dating around going to school or oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Working. Okay. Hardcore. I, I was a menace. Hardcore. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> he was a player. He was. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's a great, here's a great example. When I walked out of the temple, he was waiting outside of the temple for me and he was going to talk to me. Ooh. And um, he uh, didn't end up saying anything because he was busy texting another girl on his phone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. texting another girl on my phone, <laughs> waiting for her to come out. Mister, man. And oh. then I look up and she's like walking by me, and I'm like, You're like "Dang it, I missed my chance." <laughs> and, then, and then I walked to my car dejectedly, and she was right there. That's funny. So, did you guys like end up That's talking in the parking lot? Yeah, yeah. like hit it off since then. Yeah. Yeah. The the little bit of a more of a long form story on how we met because people ask me this all the time. How do you meet in the temple during an endowment? Right. right. Um, and it is weird. It's not a normal thing. <laughs> but we saw each other in the chapel, like before the it was a super small session, by the way. Okay. Like, yeah, it was a Wednesday night at like 8 30. The last session of the night. There was maybe okay. like five men and maybe like seven women. Yeah. And, um, you know, he came in as like, oh, he's cute. And then Wait, uh, what temple is this? Provo. 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 Old, okay. okay. New Provo wasn't built yet. Okay. Um, and so we're sitting in the session and, and I'm like, I think that guy's super cute. And I'm like, oh, focus on what you're doing <laughs> in the temple. And um, because there's only five guys, like he knows he has to participate in the prayer circle. We're right. assuming your audience knows all about Mormonism, by the way. Yeah. We're just throwing. <laughs> right. They're, they're right. like, wait, what does all this stuff mean? Yeah. Some people know, know, some people don't. I, I talk, I've talked about it before. So, yeah. Okay. If, if you fine. don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> don't worry about it for a yeah. minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's a video. You can see what the talking about. Yeah. There you go. There you um, go. That's true. Uh, anyway, so he, he gets up and I'm like, I guess he needs a partner. So I got up to participate with him in the prayer circle. So Mm. the first time we touched held hands and stuff. Yeah. Or prayer circle. Yeah. yeah. And he, he had to ring checking me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh. So let me ask you both a personal question. This is such a Mormon conversation. This is, but, I, but I I'm, I'm really fascinated because I want to know if either of you during that moment in the prayer circle felt like those sweaty, sweaty hands because you're feeling nervous because you think he's cute or she's cute. Like, were you thinking about each other at all? Or was it, were you trying to just strictly be in the moment and do the prayer? It sounds like they were. I mean, there was ring checking going That's on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So Yeah. No, well, we definitely. You guys both. I mean, look, anybody, anybody that's been to the temple knows that it's not exactly like going to see like a Marvel movie, you know, <laughs> right? Sure. Like, not at all. it's not the most exciting right. thing in the world. So most throughout the whole session, I was looking over at her and I think she's probably looking over at me and we're just waiting for the thing to be over so we can talk to each other. Yeah. So, so we, we go into the, the celestial room. Mostly I'm just telling my side. I'm sure there's other things you need you say, but I. He doesn't usually tell the whole thing like I do. Um, we go into the celestial room and I, I, I get there first. So I sit on a couch with like space next to me to yeah. indicate without saying anything. Oh, I'm open. Right, right. Yes. Smart. Right. <laughs> There's not much else you can do. What else can you do? Right. And, um, you work with what you have. Yeah. So he doesn't sit next to me. He sits in a chair kind of across from me in a single chair. And so okay. I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's, you know, he could have a, he could be married for all I know. I don't right. know. Like, right. yeah. he can't be wearing a ring. Like, that's a thing that could happen. I have yeah. no idea. And um, so I, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to go now. So I leave, but he was in the middle of a prayer. And I didn't see her leave. So, uh, and, and by the way, I, I didn't like sit next to her. It didn't occur to me to like start a conversation with her in right. the, in the, Inside in the, 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 the room. Mormon yeah. boy who's yes. not going to disturb my celestial room. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So for listeners, we should probably let people know the celestial room is like supposed to like be symbolic of heaven. Yeah. So it's like a super spiritual place and probably not the place to be picking people up. And you're dead, it's dead quiet. I mean, so people, yeah, talk, yeah. people talk yes. to the first there. Yes. So if I wanted to go up and talk to her, I would have had to been like, yes, come on up. My name's Jenny. Like, wait, wait, what'd you say? What? Yeah. Yeah. So for those who don't know, yeah, it's it's a place where it's um, part of a ceremony that, that we do as Mormons in the temple. And it's the last part of the ceremony, basically, where we, when it's over, we enter the celestial room, which is which signifies like the highest level of the celestial kingdom or heaven right and it's typically very white and beautiful there's art on the wall and there's um white couches white chairs everything's pretty much white white chandeliers um like the most and expensive hotel you've ever been in yeah exactly yeah. White. A, a five star hotel like yeah. granite everything's just like super expensive interesting okay so then you guys obviously hit it off after that yeah. night yeah and you start dating and then you get married. Um, what temple did you guys get married into? The Provo Temple? Uh, the city center, the Provo City Center Temple. New oh, okay. Because the old Provo uh, Temple is super ugly. ugly. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> We're right. about to have a bunch of pictures in our house of that. Yeah, and, and the new temple had just been built. Like, it wasn't built when we had met, but it was built, like, this summer. It was finished the summer that we got married. So we were, like, the mm. first batch of... What year, what year was that? 2016. 2016, okay. okay. 
Okay, cool. Okay, so you get married there, 2016. So I, I, I'm trying to remember this correctly. I remember you, JM. You had reached out to me on Facebook, like in a, in a messenger, um, or in a message rather. Um, it must have been back in 2020. You yeah, I think it was. Yeah. you you reached out to me talking about Mormonism, asking me about my experience, and you you were kind of going through your own questioning, doubting phase more or less um and we kind of just went back and forth from there um do you want to talk about what was going on during that time did it did your doubts or questions of the church start around 2020 or do you want to take us on that journey of who started doubting first and how that occurred what it looked like when it was well yeah so for me it actually started right after we got married Mm, interesting. Um, so 2016. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the way it worked for me was um, I had read the Book of Mormon when I was 23 and I'd prayed about it and I'd gotten a spiritual witness. But, you know, I, I still read the Book of Mormon at the age of 23 and it's a very fantastical book, you know. And so it was hard for me to like really wrap my mind around like this was real. This really happened. There was really a guy named Nephi. There was really, you know, a, a giant civilization of Lamanites, you know, all these things. And I had always been able to put those things on the shelf, you know, uh, been able to Proverbial put the Mormon shelf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Yes. Uh, Wait, so are, are you talking about like, um, like the, like the literal, like, diversity. yeah, yeah. Like, was it real? Like, yes. yeah, like, was Nephi a real person? Was Moroni yeah. a real right. person? Yeah. Like, I okay. knew it was, I, I believed it was true from a very spiritual perspective. I was a very spiritually minded person, but I'm also, you know, pretty practical. Yeah. Like, and, logical. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, the whole idea that there was this civilization that nobody knew about, but a guy named Joseph Smith, you know, in 1814, mm -hmm. uh, I could never get around it. Um, but I was able to go through, my early 20s, my mission, I would read scriptures with with my companions and talk about the lessons we learned. And I could get a lot out of it. But when I started reading the Book of Mormon with my wife, and we would have these conversations, we'd read like a chapter and be like, man, it must have been hard for Alma when this happened or whatever. And I would just be like, you know, I just felt disingenuous. And so it caused a lot of, um, you know, kind of spiritual strife for me. Um, and then about six months after we got married, I'd just been carrying this weight, you know, and I finally was thinking and I thought, you know, I read the Book of Mormon thinking, what if it's true? What if it's true? And then it felt really good. And I went and followed that. I was like, what if I allowed myself to think, what if it's not true? And let that be okay. And when I did yeah. that, it was like the biggest weight was lifted off of my shoulders. And it was the most freeing feeling. And so with her being a completely believing member, we got married in the temple. We both signed up for a life of being in the church. And suddenly I was like, well, what if it's not true? Oh my gosh, it's not true, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and then along with that, you know, I started thinking about how if the gospel is true, it should work for everybody. And there are people in the world like LGBTQs or blacks or people a lot of people um, that 
not people in the church, but the actual doctrine of the church has made their life worse. Yeah. And so, yeah. so at, around 2016, I, I, I kind of checked out. Um, but I, it was, it was, it was hard for, for our marriage because she was a, a, a very strong believing member and she had just married me signing up to be like my celestial eternal companion. Yeah. Like six months in, I'm like, I don't think this is true. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So you told her right away when you were having these thoughts. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. It was, it was more like four months. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, that's hard. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that very scary for you, Brooke? Like the most terrifying. Yeah. I can imagine. Ever. Like I, I can't even put into words, like, like how terrifying that was. Right. Because in my mind, I had, I had never considered the fact that Nephi wasn't a real person. Right. Because, because why would I consider that? Right. I had, I'd never even thought about that in any point of my life at all. It was always like, well, of course this person is a real person. Like there's, there's a story about like, this is, this is his words. Of course he's real. Right. And so at no point was I ever like, yeah, this is probably not a thing. And so even, even just the fact to somebody who had never thought that way ever, where he had, I think had been in his mind for a while. Right. Like, like what if, you know, I don't think Nephi necessarily is a real person. I don't think he thought that for a long time. So even just that, that concept that Nephi wasn't a real person to me was like, like soul shattering. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like not, like not only, like not only could I not think about Nephi not being a real person, but like, this is coming from my husband who I just barely married Mm -hmm. and we just got married in the temple. Right. right to god through me yeah it's all your fault now brooke i mean yeah. you should have known but you should have chosen a, a different man to yeah. <laughs> bring you to god right <laughs> no but i'm playing like, but at this so at that time though i was a very live and let live like i had come to the conclusion that the church wasn't true but i didn't know anything about the church yeah he hadn't like done any research okay I didn't know any, I didn't know any stuff, you know? That's okay. interesting. Yeah. So I yeah, was usually, it's the, usually it's the opposite. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. It is usually the opposite, but for me, it was a spirit. It was like, I just kind of, once I let myself consider that it wasn't true and that relief washed over me and I stopped feeling that pressure that I walked around with for years, um, I was kind of out, but we still went to church you know, we still pay tithing. Um, I told, I didn't, I didn't take the sacrament, you know, cause I, I respected it he enough. Would, he would on occasion. Yeah. I guess I would, and if he, I was feeling good that go week. Through, like sometimes where he would take the sacrament and then he wouldn't. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, yeah. So, um, but I was, I was very live and let live. And I was like, if you want to keep going to church, that's fine. I, I think the church is a fine thing. I just don't think it's literally true. You know, that. And, and I, I'll say, okay. I don't think he, I don't think he put it in such certain terms yeah, right away. It wasn't black and white. It wasn't yeah. so black and white because, because in my mind for like four years or something like that, I was thinking like, how, like I was just, I would pray every night. Right. And say, heavenly father, like how, how can I help my husband come back to the realization 
like just you know just help just can you just like this is your ground right like this is you it's all right. you can you just praying like, for like an alma the younger moment well and he'd already had an alma the younger moment <laughs> that's <Right>. true so <laughs> another one <That's> true. <laughs> <laughs> I had already considered him alma the younger <laughs> right right but, right he was on the other side of that you know mm, yeah. and so yeah, so i didn't think that he I don't think I didn't realize that he was already mentally as far gone as he was. And mm. I think he was doing that in a lot of ways to protect me um, mm, because probably. he didn't want to hurt me. And he yeah. knew that it was important to me. And, you know, he wasn't going to be like, I'm just never going to go to church again. And you're totally wrong. This is not true. You know, it would never say anything like that. Sure. Um, if anything, he would say, you know, I'd say, how, how are you feeling with the church right now and he'd be like I don't know I just you know it it, it just doesn't something's just not right or um just expressing doubt. I, w- I wasn't like I wasn't like 100% this isn't true I was just like I don't feel it I don't I you know I don't know it was a, there was a disconnect yeah. yeah right yeah so for a long time that's just kind of how it was right so and I told, I told my bishop and I told our home teachers and I told people like, yeah. yeah, I don't think this is literally true, but I think it's a good thing. And so I got callings, like I was the ward financial clerk and I was actually the choir director for a couple of years. I, I told the bishop, as long as I don't have to bear my testimony or teach anything, I'm fine. Okay. And so they, they gave me callings accordingly. Uh, and were you? Was I what? Were you fine? Oh yeah, I was I was fine, but like, would you I get think, bugged at like certain talks and things like that? Like, would things bug you? No, I, the thing that bugged me the most was not being able to watch football. <laughs> <laughs> there you go on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. As we had previously I, mentioned, yeah, Buffalo Bills fan, and right. I can't understate yeah. that enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't complain with you on that one, then. <laughs> so, so it was more like I. I was just kind of going through the motions in a lot of ways, um, but I wasn't like anti-Mormon. Like I was mm. fine with, you know, I was just like, sure, we'll go, we'll pay tithing, we'll do whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. He he was still, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't go do temple nights, temple date nights with me, um, which is fine. But and I knew that he wasn't in a great place, and he talked to his dad. He said, you know, his dad knew he wasn't in a great place, but. There was always this like hope, especially in me of like, no, that like he's, he still believes some, he still believes some things. He just isn't feeling it right now, you know, right. like yeah. in his core, it's there. Um, but it, you know, he just, he just needs this, he just needs more of the spirit. He just needs God to intervene and, and do some things. And, and that's fine. I just, you know, we all kind of live in this roller coaster and, and I attributed a lot of it to the fact that you know, our upbringings were so different. I felt like I could healthily live the gospel and not be reading the scriptures with him every night. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I can be a, a very stalwart Mormon and not have to spend an hour reading my scriptures every single night. And I'm fine. I can still be very faithful. And that doesn't, that doesn't take away from my faith or my connection with God. But for him, I think it was my, I was so like, I can't overstate how extremely religious my father is. And, you know, your fathers are your model for, for, for how you should be. 
And so for me, it was so all or nothing, you know, if I didn't believe in it all the way, and if I wasn't willing to go to the temple every Friday night and um, read my scriptures every day and mark them up and everything, you know, I don't know. It was just, that's why it was such a relief for me when I considered that it might not be true is because the church comes with so much pressure, the way I viewed it and the way I was taught to view it. And Brooke doesn't feel, didn't feel that kind of pressure. She, you know, um, she just looked at it differently than I did. Well, and I mean, all this to say, my dad was a bishop when we met. Mm. Um, oh. So like, you know, like. And I, during this whole and time. And during this whole time. He, he actually was only released in 2020. Oh, wow. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. So he, he had been a bishop for, you know, while we met and the whole time that we've been dating and married. Yeah. So. I, I was like, there's nothing. How did that, how did that affect like relationships, like with your family? Like, cause they're in Utah, right? So like yeah. they're close by, like how, and then also like, cause you know, when Phil first told me he didn't like believe anymore, like at the beginning, like I, I mean, I did, I, I'm not proud of the way I reacted. I was very like defensive. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> Of course it's true. What are you talking about? Like, you know, like, like my instinct and I'm very curious by nature and I like to like kind of question things I'm obedient but I'm always like questioning like I'll do what you'll what you're telling me to do but I'm going to ask you a hundred questions about why I'm supposed to do it this way you know but like so under normal circumstances I probably would have like all the questions and the doubts and stuff that come with you know, you journey out of the church, I would have been totally fine having those discussions. But I think because a siren rang in my mind of like, he's leaving the church, he's leaving the church, danger, danger, your life's about to change. It was like, out of fear, I was like, defensive. And it was like, I needed to like, hang on to him. No, come back, get in here. Like, you're not leaving, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious, like, did you have like that siren I mean you see you mentioned that you were like terrified this is four months into marriage like you're supposed to be like living blissful newlywed life like what was like your reaction to it and how like with your family being so close and Mormon their whole lives and you know you mentioned that your brother left and how you witnessed how it broke your parents heart like I imagine that like having had that experience may have affected like this time in your life so yeah totally so um after my my brother left but even later in my life more of my siblings left so my sister left my little brother left um so you know most of my siblings uh, you know were kind of not in the church anymore yeah it's like half right yeah yeah she's only got one sister that's now now i only have one sister that's in the church one of six oh wow statistically are for the chorus yeah 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 Yeah, for real but um i i was definitely terrified but i my because so there had been a couple different things with my mom you know i had seen i had seen her deal with you know, her son and her, her daughter, her kids leaving the church. And she so many times had just said, you know, the best thing that you can do is love them. So my mom, 
is is such a, a wonderful honestly she is the best she is so loving and patient and kind like she exemplifies the you know the christ-like attitude that i that i associate with the church and um so that's that was my that was my biggest thing right i was like listen there's nothing that i can do it's really like god has to be the one that you know the spirit has to come and touch his heart so the best thing that i can do is is love him and our relationship was amazing it's still amazing yeah i mean that's one thing is like and i i consider myself extremely fortunate um you know we we never thought about it you know i told her how i felt and you know she obviously still believed but she never we never fought about it it was never like a really there was never really a point of contention with us um it was distract like i would whenever you know we, we'd live our lives and everything would be wonderful and the only time i would ever feel distressed is when we would talk about the church and yeah. i would just it's not even that like i i wanted to leave him or anything i just i just yeah. was so sad i yeah. i didn't know how to handle it and um but then you know the next day we'd start living our lives again and everything was fine so yeah. it just was so weird to be like our lives are complete like our relationship is amazing our family's amazing as even as i started having kids and everything you know our relationship was just so great and then whenever we talk about the church i just would like <laughs> I'm not a crier, but I would just like sob because yeah. I just didn't know. I, I felt in a lot of ways, I felt alone. Right. Like I was like, God, yeah. why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Right. right. Like right. I can't do, I'm, I'm holding up my end. I'm loving and that's all I can do. And I can't take care of his spiritual being. That's your job. Um, and so every, you know, every week we'd go to church and, every sacrament meeting, I would just sit there and I would just wait. And if, and if he didn't take the sacrament, I would just, I would just sob because I'm, that would just be such an indicator to me about like where he was at, you know, I'm like, I'm like, is he doing okay? Is he, is he not feeling the spirit? Like, where is he? And, and I would just, it was, it would just like rack my soul because I wanted so badly. And I was waiting for God to, to step in and do his part yeah that's that's all that I was counting on right like I was Mm -hmm. I was like I will do my part and I will love right I I am here I am with him I am not gonna leave his side I just need you to 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 do your thing God that's your job so um that was hard every week it was hard for and it got harder yeah so longer it went on so I can imagine yeah that's so so how long are you sort of waiting and hoping for him to, to come back? Like how long is that journey of, of that, of, of, of JM being sort of doubting and you sort of hoping of him to eventually come back. And then maybe yeah. you found out some things for yourself. I'm not sure where that is going to lead us, but for how long were you hoping for, for yeah, him I'd to say, come back? I'd say like three and a half to four years. I think oh, there wow. okay. I'm like towards the end of that, where he told me that, he, he was like, I'm not even sure that God exists. Yeah. Well, I remember that. I remember, I, I remember said, I, I'm not even sure that Jesus or yeah, I think, I think, I think it was, God, yeah. yeah, maybe oh, okay. uh, that Jesus is, is, you know, yeah. 
real or whatever. I mean, he's a real person, but you know what I mean? Sure, sure. Anyway, so then yeah. when he said he wasn't sure, you know, about a, an eternal being, a God, Jesus, I was like, what? I can imagine, yeah. That's like the basis, right? Like the right. smallest thing that you can be doing. Like, that's that's it. Like, if you don't believe in God, like, I don't even know what we're doing here. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember um, when oh. when I was first leaving the church, actually, um, me and Mary were moving to Utah and we had this like six hour phone conversation with my sister and my brother-in-law, her husband. And they were telling us like all of their doubts because they were going through their faith crisis at that time. This is back in 2015. 15. 15. Yeah. yeah. And eventually my brother-in-law was like, yeah, I don't even believe in God in, in, anymore. And I was just like, yeah, I was literally like sick for like two days. I couldn't eat food for two days. I was just like, oh my gosh, my own brother-in-law doesn't even believe in God. Like how could he, like, how is he going to be a good person? How is he going to be a good husband to my, to my sister? You know what I mean? And it's, it's crazy how we have those ideas and thoughts and like fears because we're, we're born and raised to, to have those fears. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that after, so we had our daughter, our first child in 2018. Okay. And I had some like really deep um, postpartum depression. Mm, it was yeah. bad. Mm. And it was bad for about a year and a half um, until I actually because I had gone to my doctor you know and they prescribed me something I was like I think it's better but it really wasn't better um and what do you mean you mean oh the, for the, prescri- the prescription the yes. yeah. the prescription made you feel better but it wasn't yeah the yeah so like I'd, I'd never been consistently on any type of antidepressants right and so yeah. I think when I first started it, I was like, I think I'm doing a little bit better, but mm-hmm. then, you know, time went on and I was like, I don't like, I just, and it can, and also I feel like things were ramping up with his, with his faith. You know, that's when he was like, I don't believe in God and, yeah. and yeah. all of these things. And so like, even though I thought maybe I'd been doing better, I really was just slipping more. It was a medication that was helping you. Yeah, adjust, and I didn't even think the medication. I, I think because later on, I, I went to a psychiatrist and I switched my medication up and I really did start feeling a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that even though I thought maybe it was helping, I think I, it wasn't quite the right combination of things for me. But I didn't, this was my first time ever going on antidepressants. And so I just didn't know how to handle that. I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know how to monitor myself to say, how am I really feeling and how do I need to adjust or anything? So I, um, I was like severely just like so depressed, like, you know, having suicidal ideation daily and, um, and thinking about, you know, our, my eternal salvation and our family's eternal salvation daily. And, um, in early 2020, I, I went to a psychiatrist and we, you know, we started, uh, working on my meds a little bit more. And, um, I got to a place where I was finally feeling better. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't having suicidal ideation on, on the daily. 
which yeah. is huge, right? Like that's a yeah. big thing. Huge. Big thing yeah. That, yeah. 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 That's, it's massive. And so, um, but at that point I was kind of numb, right? You, I, I, I had numbed everything else that I was feeling, including everything that had to do with, with his faith, because I couldn't, I couldn't handle anything else. I emotionally and mentally, I couldn't take anything else. And I, so I, I just shut myself off to say, I can't feel this right now. I can't think about it. I can't let myself think about it because, because I know that it will, it will cause me to, to be in a really bad spot. That was when you, when, when you say anything else, are you referring to like your own thoughts about the church or are you referring to JM's in general? Like I just got to a point where I couldn't think about the church hardly at all. Right. Like, yeah. Because totally it's tied, we're tied together. So if I'm right. thinking about the church in regards to me, it's also in regards to him. And, right. you know, like it's, it's eternally connected. And, um, and so I, I had to shut everything down or else I really could have done some harm. And, yeah. um, you know, I, then I think one night we were having a discussion about church. I had, I had been feeling a little bit better. My, my medication was starting to, to work, I think. And I was, you know, we had finally figured out a good combination of things that had helped me pull out of my postpartum depression. And, and we were talking about the church one night and, um, and he just asked me a simple question. He just said, what do, what do you believe? Yeah, because because we had always, whenever we had talked about the church, it was kind of always about my doubts. It was always centered around my doubts. She never had any doubts. It was never, and I was just like, I, I remember this conversation, um, and I, I I was just like, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, but what do you want? What do you believe? What's your testimony? Um, you know, if if you want to read scripture, we can do it, but it has to be driven by you. Where are you at kind of thing? Yeah. And like I said, I had been in this place where I had shut everything down, right? I just, I couldn't think about it. And, and when he asked me like, what, what do you believe? What do I, what do I believe? Right. I, I had started thinking about um, my life (laughs) because what I believed was the only things that had ever been told to me. Right. I had never actually sat there and said, what do I personally, aside from anyone else, any other organization, any religion, anyone else telling me what to believe, what do I personally believe? Because I've never, ever in my life done that. And so it's a simple question, but it was huge for me because I profound. Yeah, it was profound because I'd never, I'd never thought for myself. <laughs> that sounds really sad. Right saying it out loud, but like, I had just believed everything that I had been told. And, and, um, so I started thinking <laughs> and that sounds stupid. Like I'm a smart person, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I, you know, I, I'm yeah. an intelligent yeah. human being and, and, um, I just never taken that time in regards to religion. And, um, 
So I'm actually the one that stumbled on um, church history stuff that I didn't know. The CES letter, letter. Oh, wow. so you didn't know any of this that was... before that. You never looked into that, Jan. Nope. No. Wow. I, I just, I just That's kind of like I don't think this is true. For like, I don't think the Book of Mormon is a historical thing, and it doesn't work for everybody, so it can't be true. I'm out. But so. Uh, so I, fascinating. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got into a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a group online, a Facebook group it's called space journey meetups. And, mm. um, I was like, I'm totally out of my depth. I have no idea. Like, why am I even in a group that is about faith journeys? Like, this is probably <laughs> just going to help strengthen my, like anything that I learn. Yeah. Right. If, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go into this thing, what do I believe? Um, and I believe that this is true then I'm sure if it is true, then anything that I research will point to that truth. Confirm it. Yeah. Right. Confirm the truth. Right. And, and so I, I went into it thinking, let me, let me strengthen my testimony because, because I want to know, like I've known for myself my whole life, but I've never, I've never thought about, I've never, I don't know how to explain that, but I've never, I know, I, I know what you mean. Trust me. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> It's weird. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, someone in the group had recommended a letter for my wife. So I read a letter for my wife, which I don't know if either of you have read that. I have. I don't know I if have. you have. I haven't. I don't think you, no. Yeah. It's okay. fantastic. It's fantastic. Way. It is really and good. So this came at a really weird time. We were, we were actually flying to New York to go help his sister um, move. She, she was getting a divorce and it was in a bad situation for her. So we, yeah. we kind of made this emergency visit to New York to go help her get out of there. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay. we were like, we're going. And um, I didn't, you know, we didn't take our kid. We didn't take our child. And so I had, you know, a full flight, flight a full like four or five days to think without being interrupted by a child, which is huge. That's huge. <laughs> That's like amazing. Like you're just <laughs> saying that by the way makes me drift off into a land where I can imagine oh, having that break to think <laughs> I, is like four, I totally get days. it. Which is yeah. wonderful, but I feel like it was like torture too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I yeah. yes. 100%. I was like I was like I have now time on a flight to read, to do something other than just take care of a child. So I read a letter from my wife and I was like, I would read, <laughs> he probably is looking at me so weird because it took me so long to read it because I probably read every sentence three or four times before I moved on. Mm. I would just, I would read something and I would reread it and I would reread it and then I'd digest it. And then I'd be like, okay. And then I'd look up sources and, and fact check everything. And mm. Um, so for people like me or the listeners that might not know yeah. what letter from my wife is, can you yeah. like give us an idea of what you were yeah. consuming? So letter, letter from my wife is, um, is, uh, a letter that was written uh, by a husband to his wife who, um, was leaving the church and wanted to let her know the reason. The husband was leaving the church. Yeah. The husband was leaving the church and, and he was telling her all of the reasons why he was leaving. So it goes through, it goes through everything from, you know, in-depth studies on Joseph Smith's polygamy to the historicity of the Book of Mormon to um, the Book of Abraham, the, Book of Abraham, the, church's, the spending. church's spending funds, tithing. And it's like the CES letter, but, but kinder, but much kinder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because rather than it being written to a stranger that you're like kind of upset at, 
it's being mm-hmm. written it's in love you to your spouse right right someone who you respect, wa- respect and want sure. to, right. like and want to um want them to know in a in a sincere way and so um i like this is the stupidest thing <laughs> it's so stupid that this is like the first thing that like just got me but we were like getting on a flight we were we had a connecting flight we were getting on our connecting flight and i had just read that like joseph smith had like a flask of whiskey on him like when he died mm. and i was and it hit like it hit me like a ton of bricks because i have never i am i am staunch right right I've never even had a drop of alcohol in my life. And, and so for somebody who literally had revelation from God Mm -hmm. saying that alcohol is not to be ingested then to have that person just drinking willy nilly, what does that say? Right. Like, what does that say? And what is that? Like it, I just, I just broke down and I just started crying and I, he, he, was, yeah. he was like, what is wrong? Because yeah, <laughs> he still hadn't read any of this. No, I oh, still wow. this. So she, I remember we were on the flight and she was like, and I think she, she was listening to it on an audio version. No, I was reading. Oh, I reading. Yeah. Okay. okay. And she just, she just looked at me and she was like crying and I'm like, what are you, what are you reading? And I think I'm not, I think I read it on that flight too. No, I think you read it later after I finished on the way home, on the way home, you read it. Mm. So on the way there, uh, she read it and, and she was crying. And I remember feeling like kind of relieved, you know, like, oh, this is, this might be a way out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I got her. Yes. I get to watch football. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, Absolutely. it really it really hit her hard. I mean, I remember that she, her crying on the flight um, mm. about the stuff she was reading. And then we went to New York, helped my sister move. And then on the way home, she she t- she had told me about it. So I downloaded it. On well, and, that, and I had mentioned a couple of things and he was like, I didn't know that. And yeah. I was like, oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> so I was like, you need to read this. Yeah. You need to read this because so, I'm going crazy over here. Like wow. I'm livid. I am so upset. As you I were reading this though, so you t- you took it as this is real. Like there wasn't like, oh, this is anti-Mormon. This isn't real. Like you believed what you were reading. Yes, because because I was going through and checking everything as well. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes like it doesn't matter what you give somebody. Like it doesn't matter. Like it, they'll still yeah. be like, this is this is this is not true. I don't even think I would have considered reading it had I not been in that place where I was like, what do I believe? Instead of right. what have I been told to believe? Right. Right. Because I was really in a place of seeking rather than just receiving, because I had received my whole life and I had just mm. taken it. I had just can, can you say that one more time? Because that was amazing. Yes. I, I had received my entire life and, um, I forgot even what I said. You said you were, <laughs> in, a place of, you, you were in a place of seeking instead of receiving. Oh yeah. yeah I was yeah. in a place of seeking instead of receiving. That's yes. Big. That That's is a big. really big thing. It is yeah. a big thing. It's, it's totally different, right? Mm. It's totally different to say, I'm going to take, take matters into my own hands rather than saying, I'm going to let somebody else take matters for me. Um, 
So That's so grown up of you. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know? Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> it really there. feels like. <laughs> and it sounds so stupid, but it, it took me a long time to get to that place. And, um, honestly, after reading that, I read this, I read the CES letter after that, but it basically it lights immediately it was, she was done. Oh, wow. Within like 24 hours, I was yeah. done. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. And so yeah. on, on the way home, I read the, the letter from my wife and I was like, what? And then, like, and then he was like, I'm mad. And I'm like, we're both mad. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I read that and I was like, you know, like it outlines things like about the Book of Mormon that like, this can't be true because it doesn't make any sense. Mm. I was like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Like, like it felt stupid <laughs> being like, why really, am I dating yeah. it? Mm, yeah, and yeah, I, I felt like I'd been duped. And so, so that was when I kind of went from like, oh, the church is fine. We'll do the church if you want to like, yeah, this is not a good thing. Like, <laughs> like, wow. Like, okay. I was in the mindset of like, I don't think it's true, but it's a great thing for, you know, for, for most people. Yeah. yeah. And then, I, and then yeah. I read that and I was like, I don't even think this is a good thing. Like yeah. for anybody. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a huge leap right there. It's a huge leap. It's huge. So how long, how long was this journey um, of you guys finding out more information and all these things? How long did that take place? So, I mean, for her, it was like 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So for you, that that was (laughs) kind of like me. I was like out within like a week Yeah. and it was like a, yeah, a slow burn in a fast week, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, but, but for you, JM, so you were finding out all these things for your first time after yeah. already not, not really believing, yeah. um, how much longer did, did it take for you to fully like absorb all that information? Well, I read it. Um, I read the letter from my wife and the CES letter on the same flight. So like three, you know, four hours. Oh, so, so, oh wow. Okay. So, uh, so, so when you guys got home then from your flight, you, you were both like, all right, we're not going back to church. Like, did yeah. you guys have a plan for church at that point? So, luckily it was, it was 2020. So no one was going uh, to church. Yes. Uh, that, that works lots out. Lots of people left that year. That's convenient. It was, actually, it, it was really kind of a merciful thing because <laughs> yeah. we could kind of slip off into the distance without mm. anybody questioning anything. Yes. It yeah. gave us time to, to step away safely and um and i honestly we got home and we we're like well we're done with this thing yeah. and i mean you know the over the next couple of months we we just i feel like we couldn't ingest enough right yeah. like we could we just kept trying to find Started listening to more Mormon and stories. more and more and trying to figure out everything that we could because that's the only thing that would that would help validate that i'm not crazy <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that, I felt a little crazy. Sure. No, I, I felt super crazy myself too. So I can relate. Cause for me, like when I was going through my faith crisis, I was um, unemployed at that time and we were living in a basement and I was just 12 so- hours, 12 hours a day, like listening to podcasts, reading like journals <laughs> or like the books of the journal. What do they call them? The journal of discourses. Yeah. 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 All of those books and all these like journals and quotes and all these things. And I was just and I like, was, like gone all day. Cause I was, yeah, working. and she was working all day long. So I was just home yeah. and I was depressed and just like indulging myself into all this, like 
Mormon themed historical type stuff and just like feeling really scared and being like, how did I not know this? Like, this is freaking crazy. Like this actually happened. And there's like, it even admits like even the church admits to it. Like, this is crazy. How come nobody else knows this? Like, well, like, I mean, that was, that was, and that's why we started posting on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I think everybody that, that look, believing in the church with all your heart, is such a and then and then and then learning these things about it that that make you realize that it's clearly not true um is such a we can swear on this podcast right fuck yes you can such a mind <laughs> like it's such a it just it just like i couldn't um i couldn't get enough you know we i, I think we both couldn't get enough of like validation that um that, yeah, like, like Brooke said, that we weren't crazy and that other people were seeing this too. Um, like, I didn't know, for example, about blacks and the priesthood. I didn't know that blacks couldn't have the priesthood until 1978. Here, here's the thing that bugged me the most, Phil. You, you ever heard of the 10,000 hour rule? Um, if, if you do something for 10,000 hours, you're an expert at it. If I played okay. the piano and practice it for 10,000 hours, I'd be a world-class pianist etc right God, right i thought about it and i figured that i had done at least 15,000 worth of 15,000 hours worth of seminary yeah. of a mission work of general conference of church of all these things and i should be an expert in the church i should be an expert in these things and i had no idea that right. blacks could hold the priesthood until 1978 yeah and i had no idea that joseph smith didn't have just one wife and right it just, it just blows your mind and it makes you so like kind of angry, you know, and then, yeah, yeah, no, it totally does, man. You like for, for me, and I'm assuming for both of you, I think for everyone that leaves the church, um, they go through a, a stage of, of, or cycle of grief, yeah. you know? And for me at first it was, I guess, shock and anger. And like, I felt like I was lied to betrayed. Like I was duped, like what you said earlier. Um, and then I was depressed and then I was like bitter and yeah, I just went through all these different cycles of emotions and, and feelings. And it's crazy because like you, you go your whole life thinking that, you know, or thinking actually knowing that, you know, something right. And as a missionary, especially you're out there knocking on people's doors, you're out there for most people that they, they spend their own money to go on their missions a lot of times. Um, and they really don't know what, the full story is you they know? don't even know a, quor- of the story. a quarter of the story and not even like a lot of these things are like basic to like the the actual structural or like foundational belief system of the church too like if you just read wikipedia you would know- <laughs> <laughs> yes. right right like, of course. Uh, no not necessarily but you, but you can't did. but you can't Oh, and I still joined the church. Oh <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh. Well, maybe you're a little bit different than. Well, this was ten years. This was in the early days of Wikipedia, <laughs> right? Yeah. It was a different well, time. Oh well, I don't know. Oh. So this has been something that, and I don't. This this was a quick switch for me. Um, I I feel like I'm a pretty confident person. I've always had a lot of like you know I I believe in myself. I believe in who I am. And, um, so almost instantly after we left, I realized 
that the spirit that had helped me get through so many things wasn't actually anyone other than myself. Yeah. That I was the person that got me through those things. I was yeah. the person that gave my, gave me good advice. I was the yeah. person that, that did that. Right. Like that, that's just inside of me. I, yeah. I am my own help, help me. <laughs> Right. Yes. And, and on the, and on the flip side of that, you're also your, your, your worst enemy because you create the, the shame and the, those guilt feelings oh, when yeah. you make a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Right. You yeah. aren't worth, you aren't worth anything. You're unworthy yeah. You're this, you're that. Right. Yeah. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't need to look for confirmation from anyone else anymore mm. because I recognized that it wasn't the spirit that had been helping me. It was, it was inside of me all along. Mm, yeah I love that. that actually like in 2020 I myself felt like I was I reached a point where like okay having that space from church was like okay I can ask um I can ask hard questions and like have time to process and not have to go to church on Sunday and like have the confirmation bias right away you know what I mean and, um, cause for us, it was like for Phil and I, like it was contentious for us, the church stuff. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, it I was, feel yeah. like, well, at the beginning it was like me, like not loving that he was leaving, but then it was like him not loving that I was staying. That's how it was the last, like, yeah. So during, in 2020, like it was like, um, we were doing church at home. We were living with his parents. We had the upstairs. And on Sundays, I'd go downstairs because his dad was doing church at home. And it was like, these feelings were coming up for Phil that he didn't have to face before because church was away. But now it was like church was at home and he couldn't like be away from it. It was like right downstairs, he could hear it. So it was like these feelings came up for Phil and it was like this thing, like, like almost like I felt like I was betraying him by going downstairs, like. Because, and, and I don't think that he would mean to like during the week, he'd be like, Oh, I'm fine. If you do whatever, do whatever you want to do, live and let live. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I think these feelings came up about his own, like, I want to say insecurities, but like, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it's like just his own, like feeling that he was still not finished, like maybe processing with the church and like, for us it was like this like hard thing so I was going through like I was going through like major postpartum with my second at that point and I was like you know what I need a I'm just going to focus on like my family I'm not going to go downstairs and participate in that anymore I'm just going to focus on having like family time during that time that's like spiritual and I felt like that that was a time that I was really allowing myself to explore things that I wasn't allowing myself to explore before. And I had an experience that year, I turned 30 and that felt like a big deal for some reason. And I remember thinking the big message that I walked away after that experience was to honor the God in me. And I feel like that's been like something I've been like, learning about the last two years it's yeah. been honoring the god in me and i feel like that's where when i have these questions i tend to go back to that but i do feel like that that is a question that 
people who might be in a similar situation, just starting out with doubts, I think ten, they tend to wonder about that, right? They tend to wonder like, well, you got witness, like what happened to that testimony? Like, where did that go, right? And so hearing what you said, Brooke, about how, well, it was me all along, like that is huge, I think. And I think it's also like, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely like when I think back at that time in my life, when I got that confirmation, you know, that the Book of Mormon was true. Um, I think I was in a place that a lot of people get to, you know, are at when they when they turn to the church or religion, which is kind of like a spiritual desperation in a way. Um, you know, you were in your early 20s. I was in my early 20s. You're looking for a way to build your life. You're looking for something to build your life around. And I understand that utilitarian viewpoint of it. Um, as far as churches go, um, you know, you, you look at other people in the church. Sometimes you think I want whatever they've got, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I totally understand that. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, as far as that confirmation goes, it, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you put a lot of thought and pressure onto a question that's yes or no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, now, one of the things that came up a couple of times was your dad and how he was very like the, the type of belief he had in the church and yeah. how it affected you and how like that put lots of pressure on you yeah um now obviously this is like a hypothetical but like because i just find it i keep going back to how interesting it is that you left because you simply explored the question what if it's not true yeah right like that is so it's interesting how life can change based on these very simple but profound questions. What if it's not true? What do you believe? You know, um, like, do you think that had you not had that pressure and maybe cause like Brooke for Brooke, it was like, you brought, you brought that concept up to her and it was like, well, because you didn't have that pressure. So you processed that differently. Well, what do you mean? It's not literally true. Like, However, what resonated with you was like diving into, well, what do I believe? What, what, and you coming from a place of seeking, like, how do you think it would have been like, do, do you think it would have been different had you not had that pressure and like, and would you have been as receptive to like the information you received from book? Do you think? Well, I think. Yeah, the pressure for me, like when I say my dad and, and, and myself at a, when I was a believer, we were very conservative uh, and it was very like literal, like what's, what's the way to put it? Like if it's true, nothing else matters kind of thing. Like it was yeah. all about what is true, you know? I wasn't very utilitarian, you know? I was, I was like, I'm going to go on a mission. I'm going to give my life to this because it's true. And so, you know, in turn, that created a lot of pressure for me because it was really black or white and it was really all or nothing. Uh, it was about validity. Yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think that, um, that, that black and whiteness made it so that when I allowed myself to, to think the other way, you know, it just became white instead of black you know what i mean 
Yeah. It was pretty quick. I actually think you found some gray. Yeah, maybe I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, I want to ask a question and because I'm trying to figure out like the time time frame for you both. So you both come home from this trip with all these doubts and you don't believe anymore. And at what point, if, if at any, do you like, quote unquote, come out to your family and friends about, I know you were mentioning you were posting on social media and stuff like that, but was there a point where you guys were both like, were officially both out or anything like that? Yeah. So I'd say like when we came back for our trip, we had pretty much agreed either verbally or non-verbally mm-hmm. that like, this is not something we could do. Yeah. Like I, I, there was no way I could go back knowing the things that I had found out. Um, that wasn't an option for me. And I knew that he was pretty much already out. So, yeah. um, but then it took a, so I, I'd say our trip was in at the end of April, beginning of May, May crossed over in the months in 2020. And we didn't tell, I mean, his family already knew that he was not in a great place spiritually. I mean, you know, spiritual struggle never felt like a struggle, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So his family kind of already knew that about him. They did not know that I had now suddenly Mm. in 24 hours (laughs) shifted Right. um, my entire life structure. Because it really, the way that I would describe it for me is I felt like a a hole had opened up in the floor and I had no idea what was real anymore and what was. Yeah, that's, that's the scary part. Cause I remember when I was leaving that fear of like, holy crap, like I was told my whole life what to believe. I have all the answers and now I have no answers. I have all these questions. Like, how do I trust myself? How am I supposed to, um, I'm sure you've heard of like the glass table being, being broken. Um, like how, how are you supposed to bring or or glue those pieces back together? If they're supposed to fit properly, what do you even believe now? Do you even believe in God? Do you believe in religion at all? Like, do you believe in faith? Um, so I'm sure those questions were, were coming up for you, um, as they did to me, but, um, did you both like come out to your, your parents, together or something so, like that or so a few a few months yeah it, took it, a was, months. it was it was okay. i think it was after gracie's birthday yeah it took a couple months because i was terrified of talking to my parents yeah they had always known me as very stalwart most of my siblings had left the church it was basically me and my like my one other sister and my mom has said many times many 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 times throughout my life oh i've never had to worry about you Mm. so now that i have completely disavowed my faith and realized it's not true what am i supposed to say to her i'm the one that she's not supposed to worry about i'm the one that's fine right she can worry about all of her other kids but i'm not the one that's supposed to give her any strife Mm, that's tough so it took a couple months for me to to even consider opening up to them but at the same time i i started posting on social media yeah before we talked to her <laughs> <family>. <laughs> okay all that 
we but saw like, <laughs> like when, you, when you find out certain things like for example the fact that like the book of abraham we know for like a fact that the papyri that joseph smith translated quote unquote the book from is just funerary, funerary text. text yeah it's right. not like a re- yeah. it's not nothing to do with abraham when you find right. something like that out, like you just want to like share it with people. So I was like, right. how do you yeah. not shout that from the rooftop? Yeah. Actually, no, totally. that was one thing I didn't know. That was one thing I didn't know before joining the church. And that was like, what? Yeah. 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 It's funny how like, you know, no matter what your testimony is in a way, you kind of want to shout it from the rooftops. You just want people yeah. to see what you see as yeah. being well, self-evident. Yeah. And, and you, you do yeah. want that validation of like, I, I swear I'm not crazy, right? Like right. I'm not the one that's taking crazy pills here. Like this, ha- like this is a truth, and I can't. Yeah. Like, why? Why doesn't? Why don't? Why don't people see this? It, it should yeah. be so obvious, and I can't believe I didn't see it. Yeah. Mm. So I almost wish that I would have had something set in my face like that, so I could have been like, "What? Like, how did I not know this? How did I not see this?" Yeah. So we, we talked to my parents and it was hard. It was <laughs> not a fun conversation. I'm not going to share it. It was, it was rough. Mm. Like I will just highlight a few phrases. Okay. <laughs> that happened um, in this conversation. <laughs> One of them is, and, and I've already said, and I will stick to it my entire life. My mom is the kindest, the best, like okay. the best person. The She's best. amazing. Yeah amazing and she this the kindest most christ-like person i can think of said to me did you ever think you would be in that great and spacious building oh wow <gasps> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, how does it feel to say it uh, i can do it now you're like we're i'm, I'm having a, i'm having a party over here in the spacious building <laughs> fun and I'm no, sitting there like I'm not even in a I'm not That's, in a building. There's I don't even have a floor underneath me. Right, like, right, right. Floating right. in this nebulous of space where like anyway, but mm-hmm. that was hard. What did she? Oh, what did she say about Gracie? Oh yeah, she Gracie at the time was like well, two. 2022. Okay, she mentioned something about like how she could tell oh. like Gracie was like didn't have the spirit with her or something like that I'm no like, she's, oh, oh no. something about how like I, anyway it, it, it was alluding to like how almost to the fact that we were like unfit parents yeah because of your disbelief you're child. affecting yeah, your kids she, right you could see gracie struggling with it or something yeah, yeah. oh man yeah. that's oh. like the typical like mormon thing where like they're like oh i can i can see in, in his eyes that he wasn't countenance yeah yeah yeah, yeah right exactly something about that like how the light had left us Right. Yeah. And then it's like, I, I remember multiple times. I think it's right? to make them feel better. Yeah. It, I think that's for that, sure. That, that yeah. narrative is designed to make them feel better about Validated. where they are. Well, yeah. they have to, right? Like the thoughts are mm-hmm. in, in order to deal with the cognitive dissonance that, that is presented, they have yeah. to, because right. if not, they're going to shatter. Yeah. They can't, they can't consider the fact that they're wrong and, and right. it's not their fault. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame people. Cause I mean, I used to be yeah. like them too, you know, yeah, I think we, like, we all were. Yeah, right? Phil, told, Phil told me the irony was that Phil once said some, not, he didn't tell me this, but I heard you, we were having a discussion with someone and Phil said, I mean, like if Mary ever felt left, I would never divorce Mary unless like she left the church or something. And it was like, we were engaged. 
And the irony was that he left like, just a bit <laughs> later. Right. I mean, I was young and, and young and dumb. So, yeah. <laughs> so but, yeah, to say the least, it was really difficult. And his family, you know, in the years that he had been struggling, but I was not, had like they would call me sometimes and be like, hey, how's Jan doing spiritually? And mm-hmm. like, you know, and so when they found out that I had also left, you know, they would, sometimes they would like try to text me or call me and, and say something. And I just had, I just had to say, you guys, I'm really sorry. I can't, I can't talk about that. Or like, I just had to set really really clear boundaries. And I had to say, you know, this is my journey. I need to respect it. Yeah. Like what kind of texts were they sending? Like wanting to bring you back or like just. Yeah. Like wanting to bring me back or, or be like. Then you like articles of. Yeah, things to believe, yeah, mm-hmm. quotes and things. <laughs> Socks, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, but For have sure. you considered this? And I just every yeah. single time I just want to be like, but have you considered this? Yeah, yeah. I feel right. like there's been so but many. You times. can't say that, Brooke. I know. Oh, you, that's the thing. That's the thing that sucks. That's what sucks. Well, and even for me, as like, because look, so I'm. I've always been more nuanced and like more. What is Phil? What is Brady call me all the time? A nom, a, a new nom. Order oh, yeah. Mormon nom. Yeah, he'd always call me a nom. Mary's a nom. She's cool, you know. When like Phil was leaving the church, they were leaving. The, so my brother and sister-in-law, they left the church first, and then it was Phil, and then another sister and brother-in-law have left since then. But like, I always felt like I was like the bridge because I was like I was married to Phil, who was like I mean, you were a little anti. When, when you consider yourself uh, in the beginning, I was yeah. When I was in angry. the beginning, you yeah, like yeah the first like, year or two. Yeah, like at the beginning, he was a little so he was like the extreme polar opposite, and now <laughs> he's like more chill, he doesn't care. Yeah, no. but like at the beginning, it was a little like that. So then it was, and then it was like super believing, like state presidency, like his dad was in the state presidency. So I felt like I had to be like the bridge because like people were like they knew that I was still believing, and so they'd say certain things to me, but then I was like, you guys, we shouldn't talk like that, even if they're not here though, because it's like that just creates division. And like with them, I was like, okay, you guys, they, they still love you. Let's not talk. Like, it, I felt like I was like the peacemaker. Yeah. But like, it, but even in that time when I was still like, you know, like super believing, I would always drive me crazy that like, um, Phil's sister that had left or Phil would share something. Right. And then it was like crickets. Nobody would respond. It was only right. me ever. Like, Oh, I'll right. look into that article or whatever, right? But they would always share their things. And it's like, this is the norm. This is the status quo. And you guys just have to live with it. But yeah. don't share your life with us. Right. You know, that was always like a weird double standard. Yeah. My my dad. Um, just barely. Just barely. When we were home for Christmas. In 2021. In 2021. Uh, well, 2022, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he he asked me if we could come over for dinner. We were planning on going over for dinner. Yeah. And he, and he, and he asked if, if we could talk about the church and I was like, we can talk about it if, if you're okay with whatever, you know, we bring up and he's like, I can't, I can't allow that. So it would have to be one-sided. Ah, come on. (laughs) This is all. Yeah. It was. Fairly early on after, after talking to my mom, I, I told her, I said, mom, listen, I am happy to talk about the church 
anytime with the stipulation that I can talk freely about what I want to say. If you don't want to hear things, if you don't want, like, I'm not going to bring it up with you just out of the blue. I'm not going to do that Mm -hmm. out of respect for you because I love you and I respect your beliefs and I respect who you are. Um, so if, if you would like to talk about the church, you can bring it up and know that I have the freedom to say whatever I'd like to say. And um, setting that boundary was, was really healthy for us, you know, at the beginning. Yeah, that's she, amazing. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah. she would bring it up, you know, a couple times and I would bring up things. And very quickly, she stopped bringing it up. Yeah. And that's really okay. And you know what? Our relationship is almost better than ever yeah. now. That's I awesome. Love that. Like this last week, she came over almost every single day and either watched my kids or cleaned my house. Yeah. That's amazing. Just because that's amazing. she wanted to. And, and she yeah. was not even, you know, I didn't even ask her to. She's like, okay, what do you want to do today? Do you want me to do the dishes? Do you want me to take the kids? What do you want? Mm. And so much. So my mom really has has grown a lot. And like I said, she she really does believe in the doctrine of love, right? She mm-hmm. she really yeah, just wants I love that. to love everybody. And I think because I was raised in that healthy way. You know, they, they really say, healthy. yeah, they say the, the, the church is perfect and the people aren't. And, you know, it's the, opposite. It's the exact right. opposite. The yep. church is not so good. And the people are really what makes it work. And yeah. Make yeah. It good. Yeah. 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 Amen to that. Yeah. For sure. So, okay. Um, so currently you both are basically publicly out of the church more or less, right? Like your friends and family all know. Yeah. So we we talked to my parents and then shortly after, like a few days later, we made a public post on Facebook. And I know a lot of people, um, question like, should I make a post? Like, is anyone even entitled to workings? And so that's a big debate among a lot of people as far as like, does anyone else deserve to know? Right. And for me, I don't know for you, but for me, I was sick of other people controlling my narrative and just telling me what I believed and telling me what to think. I wanted to control my own narrative and say, and I'm sorry, this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what I think. And if you have any questions, please talk to me. Like I don't, you know, don't, don't assume anything about me um, because I have my own story to tell. Yeah. You know, it's, um, would you say the both of you that the feedback from like friends and family that are still active have has been overall positive or is it getting there or is it because i mean i know everyone that leaves the church some of them are going to leave or they're going to lose some friends some family or friends are no longer going to talk to them yeah my yeah my aunt blocked us on facebook oh is is that right (laughs) oh man yeah yeah, she blocked us. She tried really hard for a while to like to get us. You know, she'd send us articles and right. get back to us, and then she just ended up blocking us. So. I I always wonder because I've I was I've been given so many like scriptures and like testimonies from friends on like Facebook or Instagram. This was like back in the day when I was kind of first leaving, um, but I never understood like their their reasoning for doing this so basically what they would do is they would like message me and be like hey phil like um i saw your post um i saw that you left the church um and they would say something like 
are you sure that, that this is the right thing to do? Like, have you really thought about it? Um, like, do you know what you're really doing? Like, I'm just like, and then they'll like proceed to bear their testimony, of course. And for some reason, they think that that's going to change my mind. Right. Like yeah. some random person I've never even talked well, to. Well, it's also time. assuming you put no thought into your choices. Yeah. It's like, obviously like I, this is a serious decision. Like this was my whole life. I gave my money to it, my time. Like I served a mission for it, two missions actually. And um, like, of course it's, it's, it's a serious thing. Like, like, would you, wouldn't you not think about it in a serious way too? You know what I mean? So, um, but at the same time being Mormon, I understand why they like want to go out and like try to bear testimony to somebody who's leaving or who has left because they, they want to try it's it's instilled in them to bring people back into the church right that well, and mission. they feel like satan has a hold on them mm, yes right? like they're that, being controlled by the yeah. adversary and so if they can then get in there yeah they, they feel like it's part of their like their duty to right well especially to, to, for the tribe of ephraim then it is their duty <laughs> that's right that's right good good point there good point um so i want to ask you both this question because i know you've mention things that you no longer believe what do you both believe in now do you believe in religion do you believe in like are you both spiritual where, that where, where do you, again what do you believe what do you believe now where, where are you guys and, and this might change and, and evolve five years from now but where are you both at right now you want to go first yeah i mean the the short answer is i don't believe that any religion on this planet has anything nailed down I don't think there's a man on the, in the history of the world that has talked to God or any representation of heaven or whatever. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't believe um, in, in any organized religion and I don't believe in God. Um, I don't believe, I believe in the big bang, you know, I yeah. believe, I believe that, uh, that the earth is, you know, 4 billion years old. Like I, I believe, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in, in, in supernatural things, basically. Right. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. Although he has had some times where he's toyed with the idea of, uh, uh, what's that called? Simulation. Simulation theory. theory. <laughs> Simulation theory. <laughs> it's kind of fun to think about. Right? I said, you've toyed with, you've toyed with the idea. Yeah. No, there you I, go. Yeah. I, I, I think it's possible, you know, I mean, we, that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at is, is yeah. Yeah. For Mormons listening to this, they're going to think like, how can you not believe in God and still be a good person? Right. Right. Like that's a very common like thread of thought of like, if you don't like, how, how can you be a moral ethical person without some form of God or religion so for you like what since you don't believe in like a god how are you still a good person what, what are the values you have like what would you say to somebody that would ask that question yeah i mean i would i would kind of go back to what brooke said about like it was me the whole time mm, yeah about, okay like the things that told me what to do and the things that told me what is right and wrong uh haven't changed you know it's still inside me yeah. Um, the only difference is I don't do things out of fear anymore. You know, mm. um, I don't uh, fear. Fear meaning like like peer pressure type fear or like fear, fear of like, like godly like, 
Punishment. Yeah, god, godly fear. Okay. Yeah, like okay. I don't um you know, I don't not swear because I'm worried about God smoting me, you know. What I mean? <laughs> right. Um so yeah, but like but like the the guide, the compass, the internal part of me that that always told me, you know, how to be kind or how to be generous that hasn't gone anywhere that hasn't changed you know yeah. the universe didn't change i did right yeah awesome i'm glad you said that because i think a lot of people think that once you leave the church you are going to be some like jerk and be become very mean and just cold-hearted right so i'm glad that i'm glad that you mentioned that to kind of clarify that yeah. So, so thank you. Um, and now for you, Brooke, um, what do you believe in now? What do you not believe in? Yeah. Where do you, where do yeah. you stand? So here's the irony is I consider myself an agnostic atheist. Mm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Whereas literally I like, it felt like my world had shattered when John Michael told me he maybe didn't believe in a God. Right. But now that's like, my life right like it it makes so much sense to me and it's not scary at all um i had i remember when i was mormon i had i had dated a guy back in high school and then you know a few years later after we graduated and everything i found out that he had become atheistic and i was like oh Oh my gosh that's like the worst thing that you could dodge (laughs) Dodge there right like how could i ever like i didn't i didn't ever see that in him right and and uh, and uh, now that I am an atheist myself, I think I'm a good person still. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and actually, I feel so I, I rely a lot on humanist values. So you know, I a lot of my a lot of my structure for what I actually think is right and wrong hasn't changed either. I feel like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's easier for me to be a better person because I'm not doing it to expect a reward. I'm very altruistic, right? I'm not looking for a reward or a punishment. I'm just doing the right thing because I think that'll make the world a better place. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeking is not something for my own gain, but something that will actually improve someone else's life. And so um, I, I look at my life through that lens, right? Like I don't, I don't think there's an afterlife, but um, agnostically, I have no idea. Right. And I'm comfortable in saying, I don't know. I don't think yeah. anyone knows. And I'm comfortable in that. I'm comfortable not knowing. Um, but I lean towards, no, probably not. That's where my atheistic side comes in is where I have no proof that says, yes, there's a God that will, you know, that makes decisions for us or that, um, helps people find their lost keys or anything right. like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, the gods of the, the god of lost keys and helps you find your keys. <laughs> all right. Let me ask you. Well, Mary, first of all, do you have any questions you want to ask? Um, well, I I actually do. I do have okay. a question. So I I feel like this is something that has come up with other friends that I've talked to about when they left the church, like males especially. Um about guilt, like with mission, like during your mission. Like, do you, have you experienced any guilt of like, because Phil has of like, um, which I, I'm not, like and baptizing I'm not someone that, you mean, and then yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that you should, but that's the feeling that should have that you should have. But I'm just wondering, like, did, have you experienced any like guilt? I mean, I think when people leave, one of the feelings that they feel 
is like betrayal, right? We talked about that. Yeah. And I feel like for Phil, and I think this was mentioned too, was like, oh my gosh, like I gave my my own money. I sacrificed time of my life that I could have been going to school or doing like working, making money. Instead, I spent my money and didn't make any money for two years to go serve a mission. There's a lot of those feelings that are talked about a lot more often, but like, I feel like I have had those conversations with Phil and others about feeling sometimes, oh, I low key, I feel this little bit of guilt that I helped spread something that was untrue. Do you feel any of that? Have you felt that? Um, well, luckily, thankfully, like, and this is probably again, statistically part for the course, like most of the people that I baptized slash taught on my mission don't go to church anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean, um, um, but to answer your question, no, I, I don't feel really any guilt because I was doing the best I could, you know, I was, yeah. doing, I was doing what I thought was right. Um, I mean, I can't fault myself for, for going on a mission and, and doing what I did for two years. Um, but I do, I do hope if there's anyone out there that I taught that's still active, you know, I, I hope they, they learn the things that I've learned as well. Um, because there's such a bubble in the church, you can literally go your whole life and not know Joseph Smith didn't have just one wife. You know what I mean? And not only did he not just have one wife, he had 34 wives. At least. Yeah. And, and one was 14 years yes. old. <laughs> just shy of their 15th birthday. Phil. Get it right. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just, just shy of their 15th. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the right, way. Yeah. <laughs> right. It sounds yeah. better that way for some reason. I really, I really <laughs> hope that, um, you know, nobody I taught stays, but, but I, most people haven't. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, I think, I mean, Phil, you might need to cut this because I don't want to like out her on here. Okay. But um, like, I think like, I think left the same year that you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In 2020. Yeah, we talked to her a little. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I had talked to her and she had mentioned like she had just been over at your house or something. Yeah, I helped her move. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Cool. That's what it was. I didn't anything. I just didn't, yeah, didn't go. Catholic, I don't think they yeah, care. It's like, that's whatever. because it's not a cult. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's true. They've been around for, <laughs> for a long time. That's true. You, you know, if, if you if you don't do something right and you're in the Catholic Church, like no one's going to like revoke your. Right. It's not as, it's not as like a serious uh, religion no. as Mormonism would be, I think. To be oh. Catholic, you just have to say I'm Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to mass every now yeah. and then. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, you sure. do have to get baptized every day. Oh, yeah. You'll burn That's in true. Hell. That's, That's true. true. I, I, I knew that too. I and just, you got to take your communion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Communion, yeah. And that's, is that all like the quote unquote, like principles you have to do or like the ordinances no, you have to do as a Catholic? There, there's seven sacraments that you have to go through. Oh, wow. There, let me see if I remember. There's baptism, confirmation, a presentation, communion, marriage, and then I'm missing two. I don't know. I can't remember. I used to know it. I had it. Terrible Catholic, Mary. I remember. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the worst F. Catholic. Great. I was F. actually at a funeral for my aunt, and I was just like, it was really rough for me. Funerals are really hard, no matter where who who's like what religion is hosting funerals are rough for me i just feel like it's people make it all about like their church the church yeah. <laughs> right. yes. 
Yeah. And that's really hard because I just feel like I want to be able to say goodbye. Like yeah. this needs to yeah. be about like the person that left and like saying goodbye to them. And your, your job as a host is to help me help facilitate that and celebrate their memory. It's not, let's make everyone feel like shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, right. or like, this is how we do it. We do it better than everyone else. It's like a, it's almost, it almost feels like you're going like, you're on like a, like a timeshare or like, um, like a, a tutorial thing for like how to flip houses or something. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't feel organic. You know, yeah. the other thing that I feel like in, in Mormon funerals, I feel like they almost gloss over the grief, right? Oh yeah. 100%. 1, 000, oh they're my gosh. I could like, talk about this they, all night. They're just yeah. like, 1, Oh, well, we're just going to see him again. Everything is fine. And so I almost <laughs> felt in a lot of ways, like, like after leaving the church, I almost felt like a second grief for all the people, all the funerals I had been to and mm. saying, I didn't, I, I didn't appreciate your life enough in that moment. Yeah. I didn't appreciate the things yeah. you had done. I didn't appreciate your one chance at living um, because I was so yeah. focused on the next thing that I just, yeah. I didn't take the time to appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Totally understand that. Mormon funerals are insane for sure. I feel like I've only been to maybe like one or two of them that have been really like about the person that passed away. You know what I mean? Um, besides that, it's typically like, it's rare to have like a really cool eulogy or something. And then the rest is just like plan of salvation. Right. Like, well, and the, and even the eulogies, like, and uh, I, I don't want to like rag on anyone specific, but even, but most of the eulogies and and this is like, I mean, my aunt didn't even get a eulogy. I was like, oh, that was weird to me. But, and that, that was Catholic. That was a Catholic funeral. But like a lot of the Mormon funerals, like I'm still getting like culture shock at certain Mormon events and stuff. Like, and I've been going for 10 years, you know, but like funerals are still such a culture shock for me. Cause it's just like, I don't understand it. It's like the eulogy is all about how they serve the church instead of like, which I get that as an active Mormon, like that is like the most important thing in that person's life yeah. is serving. Right. But it's like, I don't know, like, tell me about you. Who, who was this? Cause there's times that I've gone to funerals that weren't like my, like, like it's not my family, but it's not somebody I knew, but I'm going to support. Or I knew them maybe briefly and I wanted to know more about them. And at the funeral, you look forward to like that part of like, I want to know who they were as a child or things like that. And there's times where you do learn those things, but so often it's revolved around like how they contributed to the church. Yeah. yeah. And that's hard for me. I, 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 I have a hard time, but yeah, the grief is one of the, uh, I don't know. It just triggers me so much when people like want to make it good. They want to, they yeah, want to make, they, they say things like, Oh, it's, it's so good that they're not here to, um, that their suffering is over now. They could yeah. finally be at peace. And it's like, dude, like this person had cancer and they were 55 years old. Like <laughs> let's not celebrate the fact that they died. Like, come on, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just going to say a small story. Um, yeah. So when I was in college when I was actually at school at BYU Hawaii, I, had a really rough period, like a, like a couple rough months. Um, I, I was on an Island alone. <laughs> like my dad had just been diagnosed with kidney cancer. I had just had mm. a, 
um, like a traumatic um, knee injury that has like affected my life like mm. for years and years, but it, um, that was the first time I'd injured it. Um, probably was never going to be able to dance again. And, um, and someone just broke up with me, which is a stupid thing, but it plays into everything. And I just didn't have anyone around. Like I was literally the only people I knew were people that I had known there on the Island for like nine months. So I seriously, like, I, I really wanted to commit suicide and, um, I like my, my biggest rationale was like, I just want to be done. I just want to like go home to be with heavenly father. Right. Mm. Yeah. And like, that was a huge, like, that was, I, I sincerely wanted that because it, I felt like it would have been better for me to be done with this life and just move on to the next one to be living with God. And like that mindset is so atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it, it was an honest, it was an honest desire, you know, and I, it's, it's crazy to me looking at it. Like that's what I really. Well, it's hard when you're told your whole life that death is so much better than life. Yes. Like it's no wonder that you would think that. Yeah. 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 Why would I want to stay here when I can just go? I, I like would literally pray like, I just want to like, can I just come be with you? Like, I just want to be done with this. Like, please. Right. I'm yeah. done with this, this part of, yeah. of, my, of my journey. Yeah. And it seems, it seems so much like that many believers mm-hmm. are like so eager for Christ to come back or for the world to end for, for oh, destruction, I, for fire. And this, even though, yeah. I mean, we don't believe in that kind of stuff, but, but they do, but like, they actually like, can't wait for it to happen. Yeah. And it's like, you actually want these horrible, That's always like, been so horrendous things to me. happen. Like, why I are you, why are you, like, why are you in such a hurry for everyone to be murdered and destroyed? Smith said <laughs> that, it, that if we could see what the see, ter- ter- telestial, I gotta do the thing. <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah. If, if, if Joseph Smith said, <laughs> if we see what the celestial kingdom looked like, we'd all like jump off would, the cliff together. Yeah, yeah. We would, yeah. yeah, in order like, to get there. Why right. would you teach that to a depressed 14 year old child? <laughs> right. Yeah, seriously, though. Yeah. yeah, no, for real. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's something that like affected my life. That's something that yeah. I dealt with, you know? Yeah. yeah and then, and sure. then I went and saw a, a therapist cause I, I like almost attempted suicide and um, I went and saw a therapist down at BYU Hawaii who then said, oh, you're just, you just have narcissistic personality disorder. Wow. Which is not it's, true. I've right. come to reckon that that's not true, but like it messed me up. It, like, did you believe her? You, yeah, I was gonna say, did you think believed, you had that? I believed him for a long time. Oh wow! Ha, oh my gosh! Like, even the time that That's we had trippy. met, I believed it. It wasn't, and every single time I go into a therapy session, I'm like, I need you to tell me, am I, <laughs> am I a narcissistic person? Yeah. And like, it just it it has been rough. That is like such a tragedy to me. Yeah, it is. But because let me ask. It's like, Sorry. I'm ahead. sorry. You can go ahead, Mary. No, I was just going to say, it just sucks because it's like, we're told these things and when we process them as being true, it can really like mess with our minds, you know, and like affect how we like the choices we make, like what we do anyways. It was just, I, I, I'm so sad that that happened and that yeah. 
like to me I'm I mean I'm I don't have like a psychology degree or anything but it's so clear that it's like well you've been told your whole life that death is amazing of course you're gonna like that's not narcissistic yeah. I don't well, know and, and also not even just about death but just about like being a Mormon is very narcissistic like it's all about like me 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 like like the things that we do all the the covenants and the and the things that we are supposed to like ob- obey like it's a very much like me religion right like it, this like egotistical type thing does, yeah. does that make sense to either of you yeah, it is it's like i pray for I, myself i need for i need this. a little more elaboration i don't know that i follow so let me i'll i'll try i'll try my best so um like for example like we think that everything revolves around us because we're the correct and the righteous ones right so oh, like yeah for sure. Does that make more sense? Can you kind of yeah, see where I, okay. I get what you're saying? Yeah. And like okay. my salvation is in my hands, right? So like right. I'm doing the right things, like it's it's all about it's all about me doing the right things and well, making it to heaven that way. And exactly. also it's like we're we're the only ones that have it right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you guys have been keeping up on the whole Brad Wilcox stuff. Yes. Yes, we have but, a little bit. Um you know his his whole comment about other people are other people in other religions are just like playing pretend when they go yeah that's crazy like that's that's very egocentric that's, that's very narcissistic uh, right that's very process. mormon that's very yes. mormon yeah yes yeah so i i i think i kind of said this earlier but um I, I feel like my part of my transformation out of the church has helped me be more altruistic has helped mm. me want the good of others more than when I was in the church because it wasn't me doing good wasn't always about the good for others that it would cause right it was about how does this bless me how am I going right. to be affected and even and even people that you know come back and say well have you thought about the implications for yourself right like what is it going to do for you it's like at this point it's not about me anymore it's about how I am now the greater good yeah, the greater good is it's not about my, me and my afterlife. It's about what good can I put into the world now? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, me too. Um, well, let me ask you both this question. Um, do you have any advice for people who are struggling with their doubts in the church at all? But if somebody is is like seriously struggling and they want to go to a source that they feel comfortable, that's safe, what would you say to them? Um, I would say read letter for my wife or letter to mm. my wife. I would say read that or read something along those lines, something that, um, that puts out there, you know, in categorical order, you know, things that, that are solid, you know, um, yeah. is that what you're asking? Like if they're looking for a source? Is yeah. Yeah. Sources or just like anything that you guys think you should have done or could have done or you think people should do it's kind of a vague question sorry yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean i would just say trust yourself uh trust your i say trust your feelings and that's also a very mormon kind answer. of a slippery slope there but like, <laughs> yeah. but like seriously though trust your feelings yeah. um and not like try don't try to interpret your your feelings through the lens of what somebody else is telling you you are feeling yeah i like that good um, trust your trust your own judgment and and allow yourself to question and allow yourself to give yourself the space to to really consider you know both sides yeah. right 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say if you haven't ever considered both sides, but um, you know, definitely definitely look earnestly at at each one because if you're only looking um, one way, you're gonna miss a whole a whole other worldview. Honestly, um, I would also say. Um, yeah, yeah, be, be patient with yourself, right? Like our transitions, I feel like we're fast. <laughs> yeah. I know it's not that way for everybody. And, um, and it, and sometimes it just, it just, uh, takes time to figure out what, what you actually deconstructing an entire belief system, deconstructing an entire worldview, um, is, is not easy it's not ever going to be an easy thing um but uh whatever you feel like is right for you at the end of it is what you should is what you should pursue right and and for some people staying in the church is is what's right for them um that wasn't right for me it wasn't right for us and i feel like we're better people because of it um so Follow, follow that follow follow the best version of yourself wherever that is love it i love it um i'm gonna ask you both one last question i promise um the question is if you could share one message to the entire world what would that message be maybe we can start with um brooke or whoever wants to to start um think of like a billboard with with a picture of you and like a quote from you that everyone can see what would that that look like i mean there's a part of me that wants it to be something blunt like joseph smith married a 14 year old <laughs> <laughs> in the world please know joseph right. smith married a 14 year old girl actually two of them right <laughs> but um no i would i don't know do you, do you have anything you know, it's funny. Um, one of the, when I was, when I was Mormon, hashtag when I was Mormon, mm-hmm. um, the quote that I like lived my life by was God can dream a bigger dream for you than you can ever dream for yourself. Mm. And that stunted me in a lot of ways. Like mm. I probably would have like gone to Broadway mm. if I hadn't, you know, been a Mormon if I hadn't right. had my patriarchal blessing if I hadn't done all of these things so um so it's like allow like believing in your patriarchal blessing and all these things made you choose a path yeah that I wouldn't have chosen like I, I almost yeah. want it to be something follow your own path or something <laughs> your own path. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, it it just is so it's so weird to me to think back on that because it's it's like so opposite of what I say. Say the quote one more time. God can dream a bigger dream for you than you can ever dream for yourself. No one can dream a bigger dream for you than you can dream for yourself. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, I would I would also say you know okay if uh, something that i that i believe in really strongly is you need to find your own truth 
And if your truth makes you feel like a piece of shit, then it's not your truth. And you got to find a different one. And my truth made me feel like a piece of shit for a long time. You know, it made me feel guilt. It made me feel pressure. It made me feel not good feelings. And uh, so I would just say, find your truth. And your truth should set you free. Your truth should make you feel better about yourself and better about the world around you and not worse and not more closed in. So that would be my billboard. Find your truth, not not the, the, not the truth. Yeah, right. not the, right. the, the truth will not set you free. Your truth will set you free. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing people's answers to this, by the way. <laughs> uh, where do you both see the church in like 10, 20, 30 years? <sighs> That's hard because I want to say, I want, like, I, I want the church to not exist. Right. In right. 30 years, but I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think it will. But I think it will dwindle. Dwindle. I think so it's too. dwindling now. Yeah. I mean, it's not yes. growing. No. So in, in 30 years, I I see the church being like half the membership. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't see it growing or continuing to yeah. thrive. I think you're right. I think you're right. What, what about you, Mary? Do you think, where, where do you see the church being in 10, 20, 30 years? Do, you, do either of you think that? women will get the priesthood in 20 years or that those kind of major doctrinal things will change. I I don't personally, but not anymore. Anymore. And, and for you, for Brooke and JM, do you guys, you know, it's, it's so weird because I feel like I could sit here and say no, but that the same type of change, right. Blacks getting the priesthood. No one ever thought that was going to be something that would change. And so, and, and that, that's one of the issues with the church, right? Is that a lot of core doctrinal things continue to change. And how can you say that before it was a thought and after it was also a thought? Right. So they're in, they're in a rock and a hard place where if they, if they budge on, on something like that, then they're going against their own doctrine. But if they stick with it, then it will deter members and it will it will cause issues for them socially definitely you never know what is going to change but but they've really entrenched themselves in this whole men have the priesthood yeah you know you shouldn't be you can't be gay you know homosexuals can't get married they've really entrenched themselves in this viewpoint it would be pretty hard for them to pull out of it yeah yeah it seems like it's a hill they're dying on to be honest yeah Yeah, almost almost quite literally yes yeah yeah, you know, one thing. So, go ahead. I was just gonna say one thing that I think both of us feel strongly about now is is having an open belief system, right? Yeah. Like when you're presented with new information, um, it should it should change you, because if it doesn't yeah. change you, then then you're you're not uh, you're not being open and true with yourself, right? Yeah. New information, new ideas should should make us better people and that's how we progress as a human race right that's how we progress not only as human beings but how we evolve right like back in the day like they didn't know shit about anything right yeah Yeah. and so and and um you know like the black plague killed so many people but now you know we have a pandemic and it's bad of course but we have more knowledge our belief our beliefs have changed. We know more now than we knew before. And that makes us better. 
And so I don't think you should see it as, as a bad thing. I think you should see it as a transformation, as a growth, as yeah. something that continues to make you better because that's that's what it is as an open belief system is to is to continue to improve based on what you know now. So you can't judge yourself from 10 years ago. You can't judge yourself from yeah. five years ago. You have to say, where am I now? What do I know now? And how do I, how can I be the best person that I would like to be? There was one more question I forgot to ask. I don't want to like make you guys stay longer. No, 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 you're guys, no, yeah. The one question that I forgot to ask was, um, how has it changed the way you parent? Like your, yeah. the belief, the belief you had grow uh, as Mormons and now the disbelief you have, how has it affected you as parents? We've heard how it affected you in your relationship. Yeah. How has it affected you as parents? Um, I think I feel less pressure for my child. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, totally. I feel less like, oh, they have to be this way. Like I don't, it doesn't, there's no thing that Gracie or Cooper have to be yeah. in order for you to be a successful parent. Mm. You know, they don't have to serve a mission. They don't have to get married in the temple. They don't have to jump through these hoops. So it makes me feel a lot less pressure for them or a lot less pressure on my role, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel more open to who they are, right? Like I feel more open to just be like, what are you? And, and not like show me who you are. Yeah. Rather than trying to like tell them what to be, because I felt like that was me, right? Everyone was telling me what to be my entire life. And so it's exciting for me to just say, let me just, just show me. I just want to see what you are. Let's, let's find out together yeah. because it's going to be so fun. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I just, I just can't wait to see all the things that they do and become and believe and, um, I think it's more exciting to me than anything else just to, just to let them be. Yeah, for sure. I love and, that. And rejoice with them in whatever they're going to be. Yeah. I love that so much. Well, thank you for indulging me in that one last question. I felt like it was an important one to hit. Absolutely. No, I think so. yeah, well, yeah. well, Brooke and JM, thank you so much for your time, for being on the podcast. Thank you for being vulnerable and opening up and discussing your journey with the church and leaving the church. It's been um, really interesting and fun to learn more about your stories, both of you. And um, yeah, Mormonism is a, is a mind fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is a mind fuck, but um, you know, um, we all know that um, life isn't uh, so black and white and life is gray and nuanced and that's okay. It's okay not to have the, I know Brookie earlier, you had said something like, it's okay not to know the answers, right? It's okay not to know. And growing up Mormon, like that's not even like possible like, because you are told, I know this is true. I know blank yeah. is true. I know that this yeah, is absolutely. true, right? Yeah. And so yeah. to, to not know something can be scary, first yeah. of all, but it can also be like liberating too. Cause it's like, it gives you um, more freedom to find out for yourself instead of being told. Yeah. Um, like having this like conformity to, to somebody. Um, but yeah, it's just in general, religion is just crazy to me. <laughs> I think the world does paint it like they, like that you should know all the answers. Right. And, yeah. and that's where religion comes in. People want to know the answers and right. we just don't know. And, and that's fine. I just, I think people, more people need to be okay with not knowing. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
Well, again, thank you guys so much. We'll have to catch up again sometime soon yeah, and talk. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was nice to both to speak with both of you and to meet you, Brooke. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it was yeah. so nice to meet you. I really enjoyed talk, chatting and catching yeah, up. Yeah, we should have like a, an informal chat too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. we, should, we should for sure. Sweet. Okay, sounds good. Right on. All, All right, right, guys, have a great night. night All right, thanks, Thank guys. You. All right, bye. Yeah. Bye. bye.